I'm the target of a meat missile going 150 miles an hour plus. That got really <laughs> exciting all of a sudden. I'm doing canopy safety. Um, I drive like an Asian, so I don't know if it's the most appropriate thing ever. I'm killing it. Utah, give me two. You're listening to Gravity Lab Radio, hosted by DJ Marvin and produced by Nicholas Live. Have we talked about skydiving the whole time? Gentlemen. Holy shit, Nick Lawson. You just screamed at me. Hey. <laughs> What's up? What's up? We have Mr. Rob Mumphy. Que tal, que tal? Hernandez? Hernandez, ja, yes. ja, 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 Hernandez. It's a soft H. <laughs> Dude. Hernandez. <laughs> Hernandez. It's Hernandez. So, Mantha. It's, it's German. Hernandez. Hernandez. Yeah, I think it's <laughs> more German than Spanish. <laughs> so I've known you for quite a while now. Um, we first met, what, when I say quite a while, three or four years ago? Yeah, 2014. Keep that, yeah, time? you caught that. 2014. And uh, since I've known you, you've had a nickname, and I always call you Manfi, because it's, it's spelled M-A-N-F-I. But everybody else pronounces it properly, which is... Manfi, it's the same Manfi. thing. Like, actually, now you Manfi. can pronounce it however you want. Like. <laughs> so the one thing I've never understood... What the fuck does that mean? Did I tell, did I tell <laughs> oh, you the story? Oh, you don't know the story. I God, know. I'm excited to pull up this uh, cartoon. And yeah, dude, I've actually been oh, excited yes, to ask good. this that's story that you for now. So, well, Chilean cartoon. Um, I was on school. I was pretty young. Younger than now. <laughs> and um, I don't know. It was like uh, first grade. That would be like 14 years. I came into a new school, to a new place. And this cartoon was like super famous at that time. What's, like the, what's the name of it? I can't see Roberto Manfinfla. Roberto. So, I mean. So, basically, it's a super like, bad quality cartoon. And he's pretty much jerking off all the time. It's not there. <laughs> I'm not seeing it. He's pretty much jerking off the entire time. The entire episodes. Like all the episodes, <laughs> he's like jerking off. And, um, well, Roberto is my first name. Manfinfla was his second name. So every Roberto pretty much in Chile was called Manfinfla or Manfi or whatever. So I got it from there. And then never stopped. So you're just the dude who jerks off a lot. Here we go. I, I wasn't, I got, I got I wasn't caught jerking off. So I, I didn't, I, it doesn't come from like the fog of like. No, no, but your name is in reference to that dude. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But even though if I were cut like that, I wasn't like on the edge of. Start doing it for sure. Dude, the hairdo I just saw Homeboy have in that picture just reminds me of your hair when you let it out. Because, <laughs> you know, most jumpers see you with your hair back. You, you, you're jumping, you're going on an organized free fly, whatever, and your hair's back. It's tight. It's, it's going in a helmet. But when you let your hair out, you look like that little Afro kid, monkey yeah. right there. Um, yeah, it might be, huh? Yeah, yeah. So I, I like You have a beautiful too. mane, I must say. Dude, I'm you, about to cut it down, though. Why? Why? It's like a pain in the ass, anyway. Dude, I know, like, just... You need to be careful with it. You need to, like, fucking take care of the hair, everything. No, I don't... I don't remember who it was. I think it was maybe Antonio's long hair that was, like... Do I have to point at you every time I yeah. Yeah. talk to you? You just... just <laughs> you'll, you'll hear, if you're not talking to the microphone, you'll hear your voice kind of be soft in the, in the headphones. God, just just talking to it like you like you like it. You know. Make no, but know. Antonio had really beautiful long hair. And I was like, man, man I'm going to grow best. my hair out. And I had hair. really shitty, ugly long hair that I didn't know what to do with. <laughs> so I cut it all off again, and I've been much happier. I'm pretty much there. Like, how about the cut No, it but down? your hair is my hair looks is good long. It looks great. Of, it's majestic. It's, it's flowing. It's, it's beautiful. Camila, it's a mane, dude. 
Oh, oh Camila she takes care of it. She takes care of it. Yes. Oh, man. That's Dude, so I would suck at like Does she braid your hair and brush no, you no, at night? Not that much care. <laughs> okay. But she's telling me like all the time, like, come on. She just tells you what your to hair, do. You she know? keeps like, you in check. <laughs> dude, Camila, I, she probably is looking. Hello. Hi, Cammy. Oh, dude, man. What a wonderful girl. How did y'all yeah. meet? Skydiving. Scott, dude, that's that same way I met Val. So were you both strippers already? I teach her course. So back in Chile, you're you're an instructor, AFF tandem and video back home. Yes. Yeah, I see that. You get, um, <laughs> He's practicing. He's doing good. <laughs> you know, so far, there's been two or three times that you've started to stray away from the mic, and you immediately notice and fix it. You're probably our quickest self-correcting guest on the <laughs> mic so far. Good. good Anybody else who's been better has already been familiar with mics. People who are on mics a lot seem to understand them. I don't understand you, you buddy. <laughs> dude, it's like a woman. You'll never understand <laughs> it, dude. Oh. So you were her instructor. Yes. You taught her how to skydive. Yes. And you said to get your A license, you just got to go on a date with me. Pretty much. No, yeah. yeah. Totally professional during the course. Not doing anything. Yeah, how, like how many jumps did she have when you made your move? That's what I want to know. That's a good question. I don't know. We got to ask her. Two? No. <laughs> <laughs> he had the ground class. <laughs> the ground class? No. She had like already, I don't know, like 15, 20 jumps. Okay, so she was still... She was still newer. You get pretty much like um, graduated in Chile after the seventh jump. Yeah. Like as soon as you start jumping by yourself, it's like pretty much graduation back there. Oh. That's how we started. No, it's I was Seven same jumps. school as old school Oop. AFF. Yeah, that's how it was when when I learned. Yeah, and still then a lot of drop zones do it. Anyway, like for the A license, you need to get twenty five jumps at least or so, and hey. do a, like a currency thing. A license. What do you What do you know about A license? Oh yeah, today this is our twenty fifth uh, episode. You're our A license guest. So that means we're just as good at podcasting as an A-licensed student is at skydiving. <laughs> I don't know if we're that so good, we got actually. We've got a long way to go. Man, but we got the A-license. Now I feel part of it, too. Yeah. Dude, we have our A-license, which means we can do whatever we want, and we don't have to listen to anybody Solo free fly. Look Here into, I go. Yeah, look into solo. I'm working, <laughs> I'm working on my heads down. Dude, Man. you do a lot of those heads down stuff. Yes. So I, I want to uh, really quickly frame and let everybody know who you are and where you're from, because for Nick and I, you're an old friend. We know a lot about you. I uh, know you guys for a while, too. 2014, uh, we said. Yeah, yeah. But now we've got a lot of new jumpers around and you're just passing through visiting. You, you've been on this whirlwind tour. I've seen you in Europe on a swoop comp or some some event over there. Yeah, I compete. Uh, representing Chile a couple of times. Chile, the World Cup. Chile. You're doing angle stuff. You're doing free fly stuff. So let's get a little bit of your background out there so so people know who you are. You started jumping when? 2007. I did my course. But I jumped. That was like 16 years old. So I did my first tandem jump, though, when I was 13. My dad, like, just, like, gave yeah. me a jump. He was a skydiver from before. So I pretty much, like, started skydiving because of my dad. Cool, man. So 13? And that, that was in Chile? Yes. And I went like, how the fuck do I do it by myself? <laughs> well, you need at least three more years, bro. <laughs> so what? They Does let you start AFF at 16, though? Yes. That's, that's pretty cool. Yes. What do you guys think about that? Like starting at 16? Man. Uh, I know here's 18, huh? Uh, and that's only in the last few years. It was about five years ago. USPA said we will no longer allow. It was 18 for tandem, 16 for students, AFF or static line. And they changed that procedure and policy for various reasons. Um, a lot of it is litigation, lawsuit. We live in a very, very litigious society. America, the United States of Sumerica yeah. is what I call it in coach courses when we're, we're talking about this section. And it's, it's silly, but necessary. 
Uh, personally, if a drop zone owner wants to let 16-year-old skydive on his drop zone and, and he does it within the policies he can, I'd fucking go at it, buddy. That's your business. I'm not, I'm not here to tell you how to run your business. Um, yeah, I think it's a good age there, huh? Yeah. yeah the, just the thing about it in America is the, the moment anything goes wrong, people will sue. And this last girl, this tech, she was Texan, right? She was, wasn't she Oklahoma. from Texas? Oh, Texas girl in Oklahoma. In Oklahoma, yeah. right? So a sixteen-year-old girl went, did a stack line jump. Uh, you probably know the details more than me, but she got hurt, and uh, her dad sued and said they never should have allowed me to Spread let her do it. Well, like that, that they had asked around in Texas, been told no. Hey, we don't do it for these reasons. They had been told no, and they went to Oklahoma to do the static line jump. Mm -hmm. And even with that persistence, he still thinks the people who let him do it were the ones at fault, which is a pretty insane <laughs> rationalization of uh, of just totally, you know, making himself not at fault and trying to get a bunch of money out of his daughter making a mistake. Yeah, well, 18 years old, huh? It's like pretty much when people, like, kids, or, well, kids, yeah, kids, yeah. Go, out of, go out of school, starting to, the, like, the world kind of 18 years old the magical the number you can make mistakes and in. stuff was that you i don't know what you're talking about yes it wasn't me this time at you again not mm. that's twice nope, yeah, I yeah. Have no alerts not even two from Braden smith no. right now all right big smitty what up mr Braden smith um dude 18 so, yeah. well you can have like people old people with uh well not old anyways but 30 year old 25 year old people too like say my age I'm and 43. Uh, what do you consider an old when 30s old people? No, like old, <laughs> 30, 36 is already old. Th oh, not 36, 26. <laughs> 26, like one year older than me is already old. It's older, you know? I agree. We're both much older and much more mature. Older already. So, folks, thanks for tuning in to Gravity Lab. Um, How many jumps do you have, bro? <laughs> shortest podcast six. ever. <laughs> six? Six. Six. Around six? Yeah, 6,500, <laughs> more or less. Yeah. I'm doing some quick math. Man. What What's the most you've done in a year? Around, yeah, around a, th around a thousand, pretty much. What's the most you've done in a year, DJ? Thousand. Okay. Yeah, I would say uh, nine fifty to ten fifty is what I was doing a year. Uh, I would do them in eight months in Indiana, and then four months off, and then here we did them in a year, and that was way more comfortable on my emotions, my mind, my body. Um, a, a lot of people. Uh, you know this, working back home. I don't know how, how your workload goes back there. What, what's the most work jumps you've done in a day? 16. I did it. 16. Yeah, I did yeah. it in Chile. I did it in Skydive Andes when, where, well, I started uh, before meeting Skydive Andes' drum zone, where I have worked pretty much uh, the longest time mm -hmm. on, the, on my career in Chile, in Melipilla, close to, Ch close to Santiago. It's like 40 minutes from Santiago, the capital. And um, what were we talking about? It doesn't matter. We're I was get getting there. lost in that sexy accent. Dude, I want to go to Santiago. I mean, he sounds, I want to make love to your mouth. So, hey, do you think, <laughs> you know how limited my Spanish is? <laughs> your Spanish is great. It's getting, it's getting a little better. I can say a few things. But are girls in Chile going to like my shitty accent when I try and talk to them in Spanish? They're going to love it. Is that going to work? Because you have a good accent. You can roll the R. Pretty good. Pretty it's, sexy. Yeah, that's the tongue yeah. action. They're like, that tongue <laughs> is experienced. That tongue can go that's to a, work. That's a cat. Okay, so when, cats. when am I coming to visit Chile? Man, whenever you want. Whenever well, you're, we're there. You're never there. We can. We need to arrange it. You're never there because you're traveling all the time, man. 
Yes. So, I, so you've represented Chile. Uh, Good thing, Charles. Yeah, back to your background a little bit. And we've talked to enough instructors. I, I love the instructors in this sport. But I want to talk to the athletes, right? You know, I, you were out there competing. What have you done under Canopy for Chile? I mean, I, I'm watching you, and I only know about it as I see you at these events. I competed two times on uh, uh, World Meets. Uh, were FAA meets. FAI? Yeah, FAI. Yeah. What did I say? FAA. FAA. That's FAA like is the United States. FAI is aeronautic. International Competition Federal Aviation well, People. Well, FAI. 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 Yeah, FAI. I don't know you if you see? did. I speak He's really good Spanish. He has, e? the, he has the best Spanish. Where's the E come from? That's how you say the letter I in Spanish. I-E. E. 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 F-A. F-A-E. F-A. Orale F-A. F-A. <laughs> That's a Mexican dude with a speech impediment. Hey, don't disrespect <laughs> my Southern American friend, okay? <laughs> so the first the first time was in 2012 in Dubai. Yeah? Yeah. So you've been to Dubai? Yes. I went to only for canopy pilot in there. That was sick time to go there. That's all at the Palm DZ, yeah? Yes. Dude, what is it? I, did you get to do any fun jumps while you were there? No, just like no, a practice jump or anything? No, no, because every, everything was being set up for the competition because uh-huh. this was a world meet. Like only canopy pilots and accuracy landing was yeah. landing at the Palm, at the Palm Airport drop zone. Everybody else was like landing Were they still outside. doing tandems there at all? No. They shut down the tourist business for Everything, this. yeah. Wow. They were using a lot of space there yeah, on yeah. the Palm itself. Uh, other places on the city because it was like a lot of all the disciplines pretty much yeah yeah it was a big big event they take that shit pretty serious so did you it ever get any photos like I've exit of you over the palm that's that's the picture I would want in skydiving me over the palm the one I wanted was like my view my canopy and the palm on the back and actually I did it with um, my Natalia camp ca- uh, canopy it was a JVX they want that Chula jumps right now Oh, it's really a Rasta, Rasta yeah, JVX. Yeah. That one, so with that canopy. So that was pretty much the picture I wanted. So you got that picture over the palm. Yes. Dude, I'm so fucking jealous. That's <laughs> so... Like, I see skydiving photos all the time of really cool stuff, and I'm always like, that's dope. That's cool. I, I respect that. And I see somebody with a picture over the palm. I just want to fucking kill you because I'm jealous. That's, that's all there is <laughs> to have, it. You haven't been there? No, dude. I've never been to Dubai. Um, I've never been anywhere across the Atlantic. I've been across the Pacific, but never the Atlantic and never south of Mexico because I figured once I made it to Tijuana, you're all the same. <laughs> what? You're not? Yeah, we're all south of border yeah. uh, people. So you just recently competed in Denmark? No, Where I was, was just like um, volunteering there pretty okay. much. I was like uh, uh, with the organization. They needed any help, trying to help out. So what was going on on there in Denmark? You and I know what's going on here, but explain to our friends listening to, to what you were doing there, what the event was. Stripe onto the TV now, to the camera. Uh, <laughs> Look, you can, you can, dude, stare them straight in the eye. Go, go ahead and look my eyes. Go ahead it's and eye hard. fuck Adrian Glaive right now. He's staring at you. Make love to him. <laughs> Adrian, here he comes, brother. So those so of you uh, uh, just watching you uh, watching at home, Monfi just <laughs> got up off. He's got That's his ass in my face. This is pleasant. Definitely the closest the guest's been to that camera. I like it. <laughs> and yeah, it's not much of an ass. So he just completely. I think I fucked you, Adrian. So sorry, hey guys. Sorry for that. Sorry about your uh, your your luck there. Um, 
What? <laughs> yeah, so you went to Denmark for a canopy event. Look at that mane on that boy. You got some hair. Hey, that's, a, that's a right here. pretty sick. <laughs> that's a lot shorter than how it is right now, though. Huh? That was one of the pictures. That was um, Dude, you are the Latin American spitting image record. of a 25-year-old Jesus. <laughs> it looked just like you, I bet. Dude, J.D. Hyder, I think I've told you this story out, out there, but J.D., uh, Jason's son, walked into a classroom one day. I, I'll tell you that story later on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just, I can't no, get, like, he's that's a, kid. a big story starting there. He's a kid, and I'm going to get him in trouble with his mom <laughs> if he hears the story. I can't get my boy in trouble. So he told a really clean joke. That's that's what I'll say. I can't I can't get my buddy in trouble. Um, in Denmark, what was the canopy event they just had there? So it's a freestyle meeting, a freestyle canopy, piloting, canopy piloting meeting. Um, it was pretty much an event a couple of years ago, but now this year was an FAI. Did I say it right? Yeah, no, F-A-E. F-A-I-E. FAI. Don't, don't confuse Fi. my poor friend. It's the FAI. You had, it, you had it right. FAI. FAI competition. FAI is in Spanish. FAI. How would you say FAI. FAI. I'm going to call it FAI. FAI. It's FAI from now on. So FAI, first FAI freestyle kind of pilot competition. I don't know the exact name, but kind of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Why didn't you compete? That's exactly the same thing that I asked to the <laughs> organizers there. Like, where were the qualifications, you know? Because if it's a world meet now, the world itself it should be able to compete, to, like, at least qualify, yeah, you yeah. know? But it w like last year's, it was pretty much an, e an, an event, a show, an invitational, as a, a competition. So kind of like the competitors get, get to yeah. train really well instead of just being a show. And uh, this year was a competition. So okay. I believe like they're still kind of like figuring out, huh? because like in between last year and this year, probably rules and stuff have been like growing up. Uh, I think these guys are trying to do a really cool thing here with the, with the freestyle canopy piloting. He has been like always... Um, Trying to sneak there in between the canopy competitions, huh? Like, do, a do you want to explain a little bit more about what freestyle canopy is for for people that don't know what that looks like? The only coolest swoopers in the fucking world. So it's like coming like in, swooping with your can with your small, high performance canopy, and then as soon as you are dragging water or floor, just like do any trick, like take your hand out, or I don't know do backwards like flying backwards and that's pretty hard to do huh with that dude <laughs> high performance canopies nick no he's pretty good at blind man's nick nick is great at blind man's we yeah. used i, I like to right. call it controlled crashing because so many years ago in swooping if you hit the ground and once you hit the ground you kicked into half a set of line twist it was on accident and you pulled out of it and you fucking saved that landing and that's what freestyle is is controlled crashing you touch the ground, you kick yourself into half a set of line twists, drag the ground facing backwards. If, if you've ever been to the DZ at Spaceland, you've seen Nick Lott do this plenty of times. It's his favorite move. Um, what, crash? Uh, uh, really good at blind that. Blind man. Crash is part of freestyle. And if you bring it back around the way you came from, it's a blind man. If you finish it the rest of the way around, it's a miracle man. And I think I've seen videos of you actually completing miracle man. No. I have, have tried. I have never stunned up one. Dude, I uh, Nick, have you have you that's done? My, that's my next one. I, I've got two of them on a, on a chaos though. Which but you gotta be now. I'm learning it doesn't count because <laughs> they just stay up there. Because it's not a parachute. You gotta be pretty comfortable with your um, canopy too, because it's like super dangerous, as you're saying. You know, yeah, like yeah. You're, you're coming in hot, and then you need to like use your mind to do different stu stuff in, instead of just like flaring your canopy. That is already like itself pretty. Hard, just the fact of like doing a good flare, huh? Yeah, and, and 
think about it, people. If you're flying your canopy, if you reach down with your left leg while you're flaring, you're going to turn left into the ground a little bit more. Uh, in freestyle, you're commonly loading the canopy one way or the other if you're not careful. And that's the goal is, is I've, I've watched buddies overload the canopy in a freestyle move, including myself, and put themselves into the ground at 30 miles an hour across the ground. It fucking hurts. <laughs> It's yes. not a joke, man. Yes, it does. Uh, lazy boys are m- my absolute favorite. Laying back as deep and as hard as I and can. And whenever the grass is uh, moisture. Oh. Yeah, the Every first morning. couple loads in the morning, yeah. Well, like Especially once it's a Saturday and you get that first load up pretty early and you it's still be really there. dewy. Yeah. Just going all the way back, dude. That's the other move I think I see you do the most of. My, my, my probably favorite freestyle trick is I don't think the hardest one, but goddamn a wing over. Turning 90 degrees, dragging a wing tip across the ground, which we... Yeah. I understand it's good policy. You shouldn't do it in main landing area. You know, let's all land the same direction while one yeah, asshole so turns 90 degrees us. across. Um, but we used to be able to do it in the main landing area at Space Nine Houston. And my God, dude, I love fucking just laying that way. It just, I don't know what it is. Just, just. Wing overs are great, huh? Did you get involved with wing overs a lot? No, I never did very many of them. I, uh, back home in Utah where yeah. I came from, there there weren't really any. Uh, landing area rules you know it was pretty wild Land. west <laughs> so you could do whatever turn you want you could do whatever you wanted but the landing area sucked it was mostly just when i say field i mean legitimate tumbleweed to dirt like there was a very very small piece of grass freestyle friendly not, yeah, not <laughs> freestyle friendly at all small piece of grass that was there mostly just to try and slide tandems in in a big pea pit so there wasn't really prime real estate for for trying those sorts of tricks and then when I came here, um, we had a lot of uh, we had a lot more freedom than we do now. So yeah. that's when I started uh, doing some of the tricks. But I think even when I showed up, I think the rule was no carving in the in the main landing area. That you still had to be on uh, on a straight line on final. Damn, dude, it's uh, it's been a while then, because you've been here quite a while. I showed up two thousand twelve. Yeah, you. I thought you were here a little bit longer than that. No, it's been just just over five years. Okay, so that's like two years before I came for the first time to. I was thinking here. I was thinking 2010 ish, but you know we've had this conversation before. I just don't remember jack shit. A lot of people come and go. I was thinking about so, Muffy, you remember the bounce it song? Bounce it. Yeah. <laughs> I was bounce it. Do you know that song? <laughs> no. Okay. Well, Benja, <laughs> another Chilean friend of ours, Ben sang, Jovi, <laughs> sang this song nonstop for like two months. Just every day, he was just uh, the the artist totally is Juicy J. I'll I'll post a link to it in a second, but it's it's a pretty good song. And then I started making a music video to this song, and it was super, super funny. And there were just a lot of Spaceland folks around doing silly things, throwing dollar bills in the air, making it rain. There was some twerking involved. Just a bunch of us doing silly stuff. Do you do you remember seeing this, Rob? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so uh, I was finally finishing this video after working on it for like two Man, years. It was so good. It was and like in manifest, like everybody bouncing. Yeah, bouncing, throwing, throwing dollar bills. bills around, all in slow motion. It's hilarious. I still oh have the God. video. But then I wanted to post. Uh, Jason Hyder really liked it. He like, man, that is a great video to show like the culture of this place, like to show to people who might want to come and work at the drop zone to show them this as a just a cultural exhibit. Right. Yeah. So, but then this is when uh, Big Steve it was, he had just started flying on his head. You know, he did all this sneaky tunnel time to surprise Steven. Mm-hmm. And uh, I put a shot of him in the video because I thought it would be awesome that the drop zone owner is 
free flying with with everybody you know i thought that was a cool thing so i uh, sent it to jason and said hey will you make sure that steve's okay being in this video because there are girls shaking their butts and, and whatever and steve didn't didn't i mean he liked the video but he's he just understandably so we couldn't make it public with there's just a too much inappropriate stuff and too much spaceland stuff in the same video and I was a little bit heartbroken that he didn't want me to, to share it just because it was so fun to, nice. to work Space on. is great. It is great. But the the reason that I thought about that today and the thought that I had connected to it is that like most of the people in that video aren't at Spaceland anymore. They're gone. Like That's the, true. That most people 2014. Have, have come and ghost, gone since then. And I did I filmed some stuff in 2015 and 16 that, that made it into my final cut of the video that even wasn't totally finished. But... Now, I bet if I watch it right now, most most of the I know for sure that most of them, uh, maybe maybe everybody in that video, uh, doesn't work for the drop zone anymore, or doesn't uh, you know doesn't even come through the drop zone anymore. They've all moved on to Saipan or <laughs> wherever <laughs> else. I was gonna say Saipan, yeah. man. And the same thing, like Spaceline is really good as a drop zone. It's one of the one. It probably is the one that run runs the smoothest that I have been in. And you go to a lot of drop zones traveling as a, an organizer. The other day athlete. we were counting down with Kami. Like I have visited thirty-three different drop zones. Jesus, wow. around around the place. Man, and it's unique because I with I reg- Fred, another friend, of, another Chilean uh, who is in New York. Who's that? A friend of us. Okay, Alfredo Guzman. Okay, he's the. We were counting with him like how many drop zones we have been. It. It's amazing because I hear fun jumpers regularly say Spaceland is a super smooth running machine, and they compliment and they say nice things. And and coming from fun jumpers, and, and I'm part of the Spaceland system, I really am complimenting and, and it's honoring. But for fun jumpers and your average everyday skydiver, it, it, as good as a compliment goes, it only carries so much weight. As a guy who's worked in the sport, who's actually been behind the scenes, and, and I'm sure your drop zones in Chile, just because you speak Spanish doesn't mean you're not running. It's the same idea. You're just speaking Spanish. We're speaking English. To get somebody who's an industry expert who goes to all these DZs, you see both the fun jumper and the business side of it. And uh, I think it speaks worlds, man. They, they do a good job. Um, I don't want to say Ben does a good job, but Steven does. Steven does an excellent job. <laughs> Poor Ben. He's doing really good in Dallas, though. Uh, he, I, I think he really does. But a, it's, very it's the good whole job. team, too, you know? Like, yes. You guys are here with Spaceland. I so think I, I think we have a pretty good thing. culture. I, I think like the I seen you guys from 2014, and you guys is still here, helping out uh, how Spaceland runs too. You know, so you mm-hmm. guys are uh, also the ones who are all the time there, watching how it, how it works and and watching the calls, and then you guys want to be on point every time. You know, Robo did want to tell you that your English has gotten much better. Since you first showed up Man, in 2014. I didn't even knew how to talk <laughs> proper English <laughs> the first time that I come here. The I was barely uh, able to so say something. I, I told the story just the other day, but I'm going to tell it again. So, Rob, uh, <laughs> when he first started showing up, he meant to ask people, like, after their jump, he meant to ask people, how did your instructor do? Is the question that he was trying to ask if you were using yeah. proper English. But he kept asking how he did it. He'd say, how about your handsome instructor? How he did it. That's <laughs> where how he did and it comes from. And everybody was like answering right away. Like yeah. they did awesome I mean, or whatever. You, you would know what, what a foreign person meant if they said, sure. and your instructor, how he did it. You would get it. You'd put it together. Yeah. And just none of us told Rob that this wasn't the right way to <laughs> ask his question. And one day uh, we were all in the, uh, 
<laughs> all together in a room at the uh, at the drop zone, and it got brought up that he said it that way, and he was in the room as we giggled about it. And he was like, wait, that's not right? <laughs> we're like, no, dude, it's totally wrong. Ray didn't come up with yeah. it. Is it Ray that's still there? Ray didn't come up with that, I think, with, like, are you saying that really? <laughs> dude, I, but he was mad that we didn't correct him for so long. <laughs> I, I've heard so this like for much years like now. I've never known where this shit comes from. How he did it. How, yes. he, did How it. he did it. Now I get it. And even the the instructors himself were saying to me, answering right away, you know, so... <laughs> I mean, I context is right. everything. How he did it. No, I said it right. How did it? How? I don't even say it right now. <laughs> <laughs> you how know, did he do? How did he do? You, you actually need another beer is what I think that means yes, right I'm there. Yes, I want to go so grab one. Go for it, man. This is the picture you were talking about, right, Rob? That, yeah, man. Yeah, I, I shared that one. Uh, it's a, dude, that is such a cool shot. Just, I don't care how I see the island from the sky, the Palm Island from the sky, and I think everybody in the world's probably seen an image of Palm Island in Dubai, a bunch of islands that look like a palm tree. But to see it under canopy in free fall, to see it in, in our habitats, fucking just jealous, man. This looks dope. You like, think you it looks what? like a palm tree? High enough up. <laughs> like, if I look at it from far away, it looks like a distorted right image of one. It. It's like people still watching the, the picture. Like, right behind the, the palm, there was a... a some islands got together that it was like made as a world, but there was like all different islands. Did they ever finish the world? Because no. I know it got put no. on hold at some it point. It was for like being sell and and do houses and stuff, but I think like nobody nobody even went to live there. Do you know about this world island, Nick? Yeah, I, I remember hearing it talked about, but I, I don't know the details of it. And to the other side, like the opposite side, that is was the picture like showing to. There was a bigger palm too. There was a bigger. Same kind of like big idea. Big Palm, Palm Island kind yeah. of thing. Bigger. And it bigger. never got finished? That one got finished. And it was like being used, but more like industri industrial stuff. Okay. So it probably doesn't stand out because of the yeah. way the buildings stand on it and whatnot. Yeah. But that's the same. Like, I believe like the Palm is amazing to see it as well. Like, it's wow. It's like, how did people get to do that, you know? But I still how like... How did it? How did it? <laughs> how <laughs> how <laughs> do you think he managed to do it? <laughs> I finally <laughs> went on the joke. How he did it? <laughs> And then you get to jump on places that is like full of mountains, a lot of lakes, uh, and more nature. And I that's that's the places that I like to jump at, like for sure, a lot more than Dubai. I get it, kind of like the thing about Dubai, but it'd be a visit. You know, like human itself, like did this. You know, like people put their hands on it, they built this island, and now it's like I don't I don't like it too much. So I rather see mountains, nature itself, how the how this world was created pretty much at the same. Montañas. Montañas. Tony Lagos, Montañas. Volcanes, like the south of Chile. There's a beautiful drop zone in the south of Chile. Uh air skydive, it's called. It's Is that the one that flies over the volcano yes. on the right altitude? It's only open during summertime that Chilean summertime. It will be November till May. Okay. Around. Isn't that such a mind-bending thing to think about? That in January when it's cold, bro, it's like summertime for you guys, like that's Christmas is the hottest time of the year. <laughs> that's so bizarre to me. I um, I grew up on the equator New a lot. New Year's party for sure. So or near the equator. So I just I I the idea All that the any place has winter is just fucked. Winter is just the definition of hell. I don't like cold. I don't like snow. Although Valerie and I might move to cold and snow one day, I like warm year round. 
Yes. So, Chile, dude. Cam is like that warm all the way. What's Chile like? I, I all I know is Chile is a the, sliver yeah, on South America. Lo, it's a lot different from north to south. Like tip of the north is a completely different uh, uh, climate uh -huh. than south. Santiago, that is right, right on the center. The seasons are pretty marked. So summer is like really hot. You know, everything's dry. And then uh, uh, spring and autumn. They're pretty marked as well with their with with their stuff, and winter is really cold. You get to well zero degrees Celsius. What's that? In Thirty-two Fahrenheit, zero so Celsius. Yeah, yeah. It's the only Minus conversion two. I can do. <laughs> Minus two <laughs> or so. So winter gets pretty um, um, cold, and you got the chain of mountains like right next to the city, so you can be like skiing or snowboarding. Does it snow in the city? Snow. In Santiago, have snow like two times there. Oh, so not three times, okay. maybe more. Nick, can you look up, and I want to know what the northern latitude of Chile is, and then Santiago under the latitude as well. I, nerdily enough, know approximate latitudes in, in, in North great. America, so I can compare, like, what the climates would be like. Um, it's, there you go. So, that is, but that 35 degrees for what part of Chile? What are we watching right now? Santi that is actually Nick's it's computer. too many numbers. Yeah, um, I, I only see... Ones and zeros. Uh, 35th latitude uh, south is what I think uh, Santiago is at, which is about three degrees lower than San Diego is going north. So you're looking at like San Diego, L.A. style weather, if I just can compare latitude to latitude. Um, yeah, so this is 30 degrees. Is uh, what's what's a city in North Chile that I could look up? The north of, the north of Chile, Antofagasta. Yeah, Arica, yeah, look for Arica. You gotta spell that for, for <laughs> me. A R I C A. Arica. Arica. Yes. Arriba, arriba. Arica. Arica. How do you write? How do you? Erica. Read. Erica. No, dude. So uh, you, you laugh, but that's how I know the name. There's a. There you go. Is there a desert degrees. there? 18 degrees, 28 minutes. Yes. All, all of it is desert. Yeah, like yeah. that part of the that part of the the country, and a lot of more miles down south is full desert. It's one of the driest desert in the world. One of the games I u I've played has a map called Erica Desert, so we didn't know how to say it right, so we call it Erica Desert. Arica. Arica. Well, you pronounce it Erica Desert, right? Yeah, Arica. Um, you guys are too fast with the way you say it. Arica? <laughs> yeah. But they say the same Arica. about English. Arica. That's the R. The R is pronounced fast. Arica. 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 You just kind of truncate it. Tranquilízate. ¿Qué? Tranquilízate. Is that truncate? Calm. Calm. Ah, tranquil. Tranquilízate. Calm yourself down. Calm yourself, it will be. Calm yourself. Enhance your calm, John Savage. Did you calm see down. what I just looked up, though? No, I did not. Oh, well, 18 degrees? It. Is that I what I was? Yeah, something like that. Oh, uh, yeah. That's the temperature now? No, that's the, the yes, yeah. latitude. Latitude's 18 degrees, and San Diego on the west coast, almost further south, is 32 degrees off the top of my head. Uh, don't, I, I think I remember that right. So uh, it's yeah. going to be quite a bit warmer. So it's super dry. And then south is like rainforest all the way. And it goes almost all the way down to the tip? Or does it go all the way to the tip of South America? All the way down to the tip. So just the tip? Just the tip. And where are you? Are you from Santiago? Yeah, that's pretty Did much I say right that at half Santiago. Right? Yes. There's my Spanish. It's like halfway, a little so bit higher. Have you noticed living in Chile that it's way, way better than Argentina? It's a <laughs> lot better, bro. Okay, good. I thought I thought so. No, but I love a lot of Argentinians. I have a lot of Argentinian friends, of course. Most of them skydiver. If they're not all of them skydivers. Yeah. For example, Fer, you guys met Fer last year. Bombacita? Cool 
Fer Malmaceda. Yeah, yeah Malmaceda. dude, he's a great dude, man. It's pretty cool, huh? He was in Chile. He lost his baggage with all the equipment and stuff. Well, he didn't lose it. The airline lost it. Yeah. But he already found it right away. They how did find it. How bad is it, huh? That you have your stuff, your parachute, everything on a luggage. Then you travel somewhere and you're right there waiting for the... On the... How do you call the things? Carousel? The baggage are, ba carousel? Yeah, yeah. yeah baggage, baggage claim. claim. Well, you're on the baggage claim. And then your bag doesn't show up. Yeah, and everybody suck, left yeah. and still and still haven't show up. How you how you get that, dude? I uh, they've got the new technology. Like they're selling suitcases now that have it built in, but they're they're selling devices you can imp implant or just put in your luggage that connect through Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, GPS, so you can track where your suitcase is all the time. I mean, you can track whatever. Yeah, you can track all the time. How creepy is that? I dude, it, it's. It's super weird, man. Valerie and I keep our, our uh, find a friend on our phones available just for each other. Uh, I put a GPS in Nick <laughs> You put a GPS in Nick Lott? Yes. Where did you put it in him? A keister. Somewhere hidden. Keister. There. Yeah. Do you know that term to keister something? Uh-uh. Have you heard a butt? Un culo? Un culo, yeah. <laughs> it's a, a keister. Have you ever heard someone use this word? Mm -mm. Well, if you ever heard someone say, I'm going to kick you in your keister, they're <laughs> going to tell you that they're going to kick you in the butt. <laughs> keister? But to keister something is a... It's a verb. You can hide something in your butt and call it keister. So, oh, I had to get drugs across the border into Colombia, so I keistered them. Oh, you have a word for that. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think we have a word for that. Yeah, it's to, to hide an object keister. in one's rectum. In your keister. culo. Well, I keistered the GPS on your butt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> I was awake. <laughs> but you didn't resist is the... No, you got to push back a little bit. makes it easier. Makes it more fun. He pretend he was sleeping. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> oh no, Rob! Don't do that, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> so Chile, you you, you worked. Wh what drops when do you jump at there normally? I'm I sure all of them. There right now, there's only one pretty much that works uh, oh all year, all around, nonstop. That is Sky de Andes, uh, for sure. I'll say the best one in, in Chile. They have a caravan yeah. there, and then. Um, they jump only weekends, Friday to to Sunday, and all year long. The weather in Santiago, it's like right next to Santiago. Uh, it's super nice, so you can jump all year long. And then you have the other one in Pucón uh, that only opens during summer. And then there, there are some other little Cessnas, 182s, doing, doing some tandems around there. So you have like, I don't know, four or five different type of Cessnas from different people doing jumps, maybe less. Three, four. Wait, is this the drop zone where there are a bunch of different schools operating out of the same drop zone? That's Brazil. Brazil. Oh, okay, yes. okay, that's right. Sao Paulo? Is, that's in Brazil. Sao, Sao Paulo, yeah. Sao Paulo, yeah. That's a jungle. Dude, it's... I've only heard train wreck of story after train wreck of story, and the pe and yeah. a lot of my friends are in positive places. I just... A lot of my friends are instructors like you who were like, I, I want to make a difference. I don't want to just make a living. I actually want to make safe skydivers who are going to become badasses, and... And even my friends who I hear, like, I've got some friends who are a little bit rebellious, who, who are a little reckless in their style and their technique, and they're still my friends. And even they say it's a jungle. They Even they say it's scary in, in Brazil at that one place. No, it's, it's, but there's, well, there's not much you can do against, like, the differences in between the drop zones. Because it's, like, one, one only place that has 13 different, like, everyday operating schools. 13? Yeah. yeah, there would be schools, yeah. Ugh at the same place because um, the plane uh, company it's just from the planes and they have like six different caravans 
So they run the planes, they run Manifest, they open up slots every day, and then schools just fill them out. Fill them out. So every school wants to like land closest to their school and different stuff, and and that's why it's kind of like a jungle, because there's not not everybody saying the same. Everybody kind of like uh, we're uh, gonna fly this pattern. Well, we're gonna do stuff. this. Yes, everybody yeah, wants to like schools, different patterns, different yeah. radios, right? No yeah. one's yeah. So everything gets like super um, no no coordinated at all. So it's hard to coordinate because everybody's coming from different schools and everybody gets to the plane kind of like on the five ten minute call. So you cannot talk to everybody and stuff like that. So. It's not too and easy. They're all speaking that stupid Portuguese, right? Portuguese, cara. To the bank. What <laughs> did you just say? To the bank? To the bank. To the bank. What are we talking about? To the beleza. I learned some Portuguese now that I was in, in Brazil. There's a lot of cool people there. There's a lot of cool people trying to make it better, too, trying to like make it more organized. Yeah, yeah. Uh, trying to help out on, on the organization of it. But there's so many people there and so different schools that everyone wants to uh, do their own thing, too, you know? So. Whenever you're doing a student, for example, you are the only one talking to him, and you got you you are followed. You you follow pretty much this, the rules that the school wants, you mm-hmm. know. So that's difference in between all the schools. So for sure, they're teaching the same thing: how to jump out of a plane, but with different words, with different examples, with different like everything's different. The program is different. So one student is different from another, and then they're jumping together. So they cannot communicate in between them. So communication is a Main thing to make skydiving better, I would say for sure. Yeah, yeah. Like coming into a plane, you need to communicate with the rest of the people what you're doing, and then figure out the loading ar- load order order in the loading area. And uh, there's no communication there. That's what I felt in in Brazil. What about a lot of miscommunication too? What about back home in Chile? How how is the scene there? I've I've met quite a few Chileans in my life now. Um, even had the honor of working with one of our friends, man. I'll never forget any of you guys, but, uh, oh gosh, uh, Consuelo. Consuelo. Yeah, Consuelo, sorry. Uh, dude, that girl is, I enjoy, I enjoy getting to know her. Yeah, she's, she's nice, huh? Yeah, yeah. She did man. the AFF course with you, huh? Yeah, she is uh, Chile's first female AFF instructor. Yes. Which, oh, really? yeah, she told me partway through her course that I'm going to be Chile's first female AFF instructor, and I mean... Working with this gal, like she was just genuinely, genuine, genuinely, it's a very nice, fun, good-spirited person, and a pleasure to work with. And she really made like working with her something fun. She wanted, she, she made it clear that she was just part of the cog. She wanted to make skydiving better in Latin America, period, uh, but specifically in Chile because it's her home. But in all of it. And then when she told me she's going to be the first female instructor, and I got to be part of that, dude. What a what? I mean. We get fucking. We, we're lucky, man. We get to participate in a so lot of cool, cool huh? shit, right? Well, pretty much the. Well, when I left Santiago, the whole community mm-hmm. was like my family too. You know, I was working there for four or five years straight, nonstop, before start traveling around. And for sure, like skydiving community was my my whole thing. You know, like friends, everybody there. <coughs> I miss a lot of people there from from Chile. Not see him then in a while, but mm-hmm. that was my world over there. And then you get to meet people like Consul, and the community is super small, you know? So everybody kind of like knows in between each other, for sure, a lot. So in Santiago now, there's a lot of new people coming up, for sure. I haven't been there all the time. It so that was great. I don't know where they came for that, but Consuelo yeah. makes me 
think like that. <laughs> Dude, she makes me smile. It's it's fun to see because there there's everything I've heard. I've never been to any of the Latin countries as far as skydiving goes. But I hear a lot of my friends, for example, Erin, uh, who works at Spaceland, she is trying to make a difference in Mexico. She's becoming an examiner. A lot of her Mexican friends want to do things the best way they can, but they don't have access to the training they want. So she's trying to do that. Uh, people like uh, Sebastian. Sebastian uh, was hanging out here recently. He says he wants to make that difference in, in uh, Chile and in Consu and everybody else does. What is... If you, how would you compare Chile right now to most of the countries you go to as far as safety and training as a country in the whole as a whole? Well, in South America, Chile is doing great. Well, Skyde Andes is doing great, a great job. Um, Francisco, you guys met Francisco as well. Otero, uh, no, Otero. Francisco uh, yeah, Espinosa. Yeah. yeah, Pancho. Pancho. Yeah, <laughs> he's working there, uh, there too again, uh, since since he did the course with you here. And then um, safety-wise, for sure, I think it could be better, but everybody's doing a great job. The staff is super worried about calls, about talking, about communication thing. We were, we were talking just recently about mm -hmm. like telling everybody what you're doing uh, and, and communicating what it's going to be the plan on the jump and, and being safe on the plane. That I feel like skydiving-wise mm, is like where people get the most luck. Mm-hmm. Like the plane, it's like whenever they get into a plane, they just like there's a lot of people who I think that they just want to skydive because of the free fall. Yeah, yeah. So they are super careless about their many other other things in skydiving involved besides. So free in the fall. plane, what's like your biggest pet peeve? The, the thing you see safety wise in the plane, what would you address in the sport period? Communication. For example. Like before the plane, for it would be for me because like here in spaceline, it's not a thing for sure. Uh, communicate yourself with others, but around the world, I've seen there's no much communication everywhere about what you're doing, about what what people should be talked, you know, on on groups. Belly's going first, and and free flight's going second. So South America feels like a little behind on that, and and like in places like Brazil, Chile's doing great. Well. Argentina, that's great too. I cannot talk about South America either. It's like a huge place, and, and there are so many other countries there that I kind of like put them together if I don't know them too. You don't have those experiences. Yeah, but I feel like places, uh, there are places like they don't do that much, you know? It's interesting because it, it's, uh, and tell me if you think this is true, but the thing I keep hearing you say is you talk about Chile's getting better and you talk about these places that are good and everything you keep saying is people are educating. I've been to so many drop zones where if you do something wrong, like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Are you retarded? Did you fucking land the wrong way on fucking purpose? You know you're going to kill somebody, asshole, is the common exactly, response, right? How, how would you, man, I'm, fuck you. Don't talk to me that way is how I would respond to that. <laughs> and the thing that you're saying and the people that you're pointing out, Poncho, you know, I, I haven't got to spend a lot of time with him as an instructor, but I have got to see him in the course, and his mindset is is we need to educate people and not beat on them. At some point, you have to beat on somebody. At some point, we've told you five times. You lied to me five times in a row. Uh, you know what? Fuck you. I'm, I'm not going to, at that point, punishment is what it is. But how big are you on the idea of education over implementation or rule setting? It's the main thing, for sure. Like, uh, as the best uh, education you have, the better rules, the they have to be rules on skydiving in order, in order to make things safer. You know, you gotta have rules on 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 how to free fall. You had to have rules on how to 
belly fly. Um, oh, you have to have rules on, on every single aspect of, uh, of skydiving, plane, loading the plane. And uh, I think the whole South America countries are copying what USPA has done for sure. Uh, kind of, kind of like USPA for sure has been like an, an, an inspiration on the way uh, South America does the things. Nice. So just a question about USPA. If I, if I go to Chile right now, I could use my USPA license and just jump with that? Yeah. For do, sure. I, do I have to get anything else or no. I just show up with my license? No, and you I'm can all good. just show up with, with your license and jump right away. What's y'all's organization, your, your version of USPA? Parafetch. Parafetch would be the National Federation of Chile. They give you license. Uh, they are the ones in charge of giving you uh, a license, B license, and license for skydivers. And are the numbers the same? 25? Yes, they're pretty 50, much the same. 200, 500? Yes, but we don't have, for example, a program to create instructors or coaches. So there's no rating system in Chile no, right now? That, so that's why we have to come to U.S. to get ratings, to get educated on how to do things uh, for teaching people. And then you can go back to your country in South America and do it. So what... <laughs> I'm going to kind of branch out into business here for one second, and then, and, and, yeah, sorry, guys, if you're listening, I'm going to sit here and, and go. On. But Erin, Erin Dira, you know Erin, uh, she is training to be an examiner, and her biggest concern is all these Latin countries, all these Spanish-speaking folk need to come to America to get the training they want, and, and thank God you can do that. But why can't we send Spanish-speaking, highly qualified people to to your country? You know, it, would, would it... Would, do you think there's that interest in Chile to say, hey, we have an examiner. We want to bring somebody to you guys. And whether you already are doing, and a lot of countries are doing the jump without the ratings. We want to train you to that next level and make sure we, we, we whether you have a rating, don't have a rating, we want to bring it to the next standard. Is that something that's interested out there? Yeah, for sure. Because it's like a civil thing, too. Because um, skydiving, I was saying in South America, too, or well in Chile, at least, how mm -hmm. it works. I would pro probably talk more about Chile, how it works, because like all the things that I have on my mind is experiences from Chile. Sure. So I have been saying South America as well, but yeah, Chile is my main source. Uh, military skydiving was the first thing for sure. And then every instructor in Chile about, I don't know, 10 plus years ago has to be military, to be trained, to be to be able to teach people how to skydive. Mm -hmm. There wasn't the FF instructors, for example. Uh, and after some military people started getting AFF ratings, they could start training more civil, more civil people. Civil people, you would say? Civilians, yeah. yeah. Civilians. Civilians uh, to get skydivers. And that's where sports skydiving comes from, comes out. And that's there really were weird some, to think there about. There were some uh, clubs in Chile before that were civilians, but they were still mixed with military. I, I, I remember some names. Diablos Rojos. The Red, Red Devils. Red Devils. Escorpiones. The Scorpions. Dude, I'm good at the Spanish. You're, you're picking it up. You're picking yeah. it up. Yeah. Yo habla so espanol. They, they bring up the civilian skydiving up in Chile. So you're saying that's For weird. Sure. What do you mean? I weird? mean, it's I just really odd to think about, like, that. Think about looking at an AFF course and thinking about like someone from the army coming in to run a course at a drop zone that's all civilians. Just kind of a weird, yeah. uh, what well, weird puzzle put together in an odd way. I think about early days of USPA or not even USPA, but United States skydiving. That's for the longest time our industry was driven by by uh, military, and we got military surplus, and we learned from the military. 
And that was in our infancy of our sport. And the sport has turned way around. Now the military is learning from us and we've done better. And it sounds like that's where you guys are at is, is breaking through that barrier because that's where the hardcore, like, you're going to fucking die if you don't fuck pull yeah. your ripstream. But that, al- that already happened, though. Like, whenever yeah. I started skydiving, uh, there was this club, these skydiving drops on showing up, uh, coming up, that it was a skydive on this. That it would be, like, the first, like, actual real civilian, I would say, drop zone in Santiago. Before that, it was there was a, a plane from the Federation, but that was pretty much it. And then, um, well, this club helped out a lot of uh, increasing civilians, uh, increasing civil skydiving. Um, so that's why I, I started skydiving, too, like 2007. I want to bring up one more thing about Latin skydiving here in a second, but I, I do want to throw out just something here. Uh, first of all, our girl uh, Paula, she's the office manager at Spaceland Dallas. Paula and her boyfriend Heath are such good friends. And Nick Heath says he doesn't want to come on the podcast. Um, he don't think he's a he would punk be a good boom. guest, but we do and need to talk Heath into coming. Yeah, who in, wants dude. to hear what it's like to fly jumpers and be awesome and be on the PD factory team and and uh, just being a fucking super good dude, man, and not be able to take and sunglasses such, off. Uh, dude, you, hold on, let's such take a good a, pilot. Huh? Let's take a wager. You think when we get him on, which will eventually happen, it's got to. You think he's gonna wear sunglasses in that seat? Absolutely, um, except for he might now not do it because we're arguing that no, he will. hat and sunglasses. I know it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was thinking about wearing sunglasses. Dude, I have to have at it, man. It could be worse. You could be wearing a helmet with a chin-mounted camera or no shirt, or uh, you could be wearing a monkey mask. Uh, I do want to... Andre got Perez. Sunglasses. Do you know Andre Perez? Doesn't sound familiar. Andre Perez. Uh, he is throwing out a couple maybe, comments saying maybe hello. Maybe I know him. Um, dude. Probably I know him. But I know maybe him I pronounced his name wrong. And Javi Flores... No. Javier Flores says grande, Mumpy. Oh, la Javi, yeah. What's That's grande? Chile. Grande, Mumpy. big. Big? Like, yeah. Like, what like, up, yo? Awesome. Like, big yeah. props. What's yeah. up? How you okay, cool, man. Yeah. Oh, that, that's something Hello that to you her. say to your to your to a buddy? Grande? Uh, grande, Mumpy. It's like, how, 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 how it would be the expression? It's like great that you're Manfi, doing great. You know? el chico like, con el grande pico. <laughs> <laughs> the world is big. It is ours. Welcome. Um... <laughs> what did you say, man? I told him he, he was talking th- about I'd the microphone. He, he looks good in, the, in that hat. He was talking about the microphone here. Is he called quite big? Yeah, is he calling it something other I'm than gonna, it I'm is? I'm gonna throw you back the right. sunglasses, <laughs> dude. Don't worry, he'll leave them and forget him here. Uh, so the other thing about Latin skydiving, I want to go into angles. I haven't even gotten into some of the things we want to talk about. Yeah, we have talked a lot of shit, actually, dude. Uh, <laughs> but one thing that really I learned from uh, Kansu is uh, SDF. To American Flyer. That's that's something that she brought up. Uh, yeah. In order to help the community too, to make information more um, reachable, to get to know drop zones, to get where they are, to know where they are in South America, which which ones are, which ones are the ones like operating and how to contact them. It's it's for America. We have USPA, and the United States is a very very large uh, country. And uh, so there are some large countries, no doubt, in South America, but combined, some of the countries don't cover the space of the United States. And for us, USPA is a good resource of where good or at least reasonably good DZs are. They're not a guarantee. And she started this not just to find good DZs, because if I, if I want to uh, visit as an American or if I wanted to as a Chilean or, or, or Argentinian or any, any Latin American guy – want to find a drop zone as a student or find a coach because you're listed as one of the coaches as well, I believe, in SDF. They can go to this website and like yeah, go, 
like, hey, where do I go for good quality? And, and I think she doesn't, she lists everybody, but she definitely promotes where quality instruction is going to be. Yeah, she has been in skydiving for a, for a while already. She has been seeing a lot of things, pretty not too good things. So that's when you start kind of like realizing what this sport is, you know, like what this sport can do to you if you're not doing it the right way. If you're lacking on safety, if you're not hearing your instructors or and you're doing stuff by yourself without being well guided. Yeah. You're going to end up wrong for sure on this sport. It's not it's not a good progress score for a way to progress on this sport for sure. Nick, can you look up uh Suda S U D A and you're gonna have to help me with the rest with it, with, with it, Manfi. So American Flyers, yeah, it's actually sweet. American Flyers. And share this website uh, on the Facebook comments. And Nick, can you actually tell me, like, how how did you just look this up? What's the name of what you just did? Sud American Flyers, S U D A. That's the word for South, American, right? Yeah, Sud American Flyers. Sounds the same for you guys, huh? Sud American Flyers. S U D A America. Flyers. America. S U D A America. S U D in front of American Flyers. South America. Yes. And uh, super, super cool. She's got a nice website. She throws out uh, 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 shirts and whatnot. And, and they're nice shirts. She tries to throw out some nice apparel. And it's a nonprofit gig. So any of the shirts she gets and the sales she gets just goes back to help promoting the website and promoting what, what they're doing. Uh, it, it's super cool. So, uh, man, Kansu, thank you for throwing that out there and, and trying to make Latin America skydiving uh, better. Sweet. So you, you now <laughs> she's gonna make South America do it. great again. Let's do it. Making South America great again. Yeah, but South America now is like doing great. I'll say too. Like uh, they have been like. Well, I've been in Brazil jumping. Uh, I I was jumping at the beginning of this year at the jungle. We we're talking about it was definitely a jungle. You know like Miko and Paula. Uh, uh, who? You know Miko. Miko. Yeah. Roberto. Yes, He's I jump with him. Good friend of mine, man. Yes. We did a swoop team together for a year. Cool. Yeah, oh my God. Paula wears the pants in the family. Just saying. <laughs> you <Nice. know laughs> the look on your face means you know that well <laughs> enough. I love you, Miko, if you're listening, bro. He, he's a homie. Uh, Everybody's out there somewhere. Yeah. Do Flavio, you know Flavio? Santoro? Bit no, Flavio Almeida. Oh, yes. Ah, yes. He was. He just got married, then. dude. Yeah. Yes, he's a really cool guy. He's dude. a really cool guy. Uh, the, uh, Brazilian people was super um, welcoming. Um, dude, loving. Leo, probably somewhere in there. You guys yeah, know yeah. Leo. Leo. Uh, I met Leo at the beginning of this year in, in, in Brazil. Danny. Um, Garcia. Garcia. These are all people in Brazil who are making that difference, by the way. They're yes, not just good people. Definitely. They're fucking But there's so many, everybody. too. That there's, so ma- there's so much people there in, in Brazil doing things and, and, and sharing skydiving. That That's what you're doing when you're trying. You're sharing skydiving. And yeah. the more experience you get, the biggest responsibility you have on, on all the knowledge you, you pass by. I'll say there. I think uh, when when I think of Brazil and South America, I think of them as actually one of, despite the jungle that Sao Paulo is and that whole uh, area, uh, a lot of the leaders of South America come from that area. Whether it's Boituva, did I say that right? Yeah. Or Sao Paulo, and and all my friends in those general areas. It's I've met so many wonderful uh, Brazilians who are spreading the love. If you get there with experience, you are a skydiver. You know your your safety basic stuff uh and you get to brazil you're gonna enjoy it too you're gonna you're gonna get to understand how different things work you know i would uh-huh. i would say like starting to skydive in brazil well i feel like there's a lot of things that they're not saying 
different schools there. There's Do a lot of other people doing it right, sharing the right things all, all the time. A lot of schools are just teaching yes, it to fall, not to survive. Yes, yes. They're doing the business out of it yeah. instead of like really like taking care of the community. So I Not everybody for sure. I want to get more into your travels, but before I do that, I want to know more about our travels. I say our travels. Mr. P is probably going to want to know more about this. I get friends from Brazil who always tell me, like, yo, bro, you can come hang out for a month off of this minimal amount of money. You just get here. You don't need that much money in your pocket. You can travel Brazil for a month with, with very little finances. How does that statement go in Chile? If I came to Chile to visit for two weeks, what kind of savings would I need? Depends on what you want to do, for sure. If you want to, I want to come hang out with you. Skydiving is quite make a handful of jumps, but travel the country. I d I could skydive anywhere. I can't travel the country and meet the people. I would like to actually travel the country all, all the way. I haven't done it. That's a thing that I should do in my home country for sure. So if I wanted to come and spend two weeks in Chile, and just travel for two weeks with you, and let's see Santiago, and let's go see these other beautiful places, and we picked a couple spots. How much money would I need in my pocket to comfortably live? Like not care about what I do. I say let's have a decent dinner tonight. Let's eat nice. Let's do. How is it? Is it a really affordable trip? Is it we're gonna spend some money? In compared to here, going out to eat, I would think it it wouldn't be that much of a difference. Okay. Uh, so it would be pretty much the same price. Traveling. Um, Depends how far you want to go from Santiago. S staying on the capital, I would say, be the, the expenses, like finding hotels and, and, and different hostels would be probably the expensive thing to do. All the rest would be quite similar he to here. little how expensive, just a tiny bit expensive. So how is it getting around? Like, is there a train, buses? There's a lot of buses on, yeah. on two weeks of expenses. So I don't exactly will know how much will you will need. But so is yeah, there is there a good public transport? Like, are there trains or buses or anything? Like, is it hard to get around without a yeah. car? Around the city, it's not too hard. There's, like, a lot of uh, uh, public transportation there. Uh, it's quite okay na now. Uh, there's a lot of metro, like, uh, subways in Santiago. And then to go to different cities, like Viña del Mar, that is close to, to Santiago. It's, like, on the beach. It would be one of the largest cities there, too. Um you have buses, and you have buses pretty much all, all the way through through Chile with some planes to the north. Is, One thing that, is. aside from knowing the Chileans that I know and wanting to go visit my buddies, I heard that uh, Chile is a very beautiful place to see the stars. Ooh. North of Chile. North? Yes. From, um, from like the fourth region up, it's all good to see the stars. Like, the, there's no much... Um, civilization there either there's a big space but there's no much uh, uh cities big mm -hmm. cities around so you have a super clear sky super super clear sky so have you been really listening nice to, to sean carroll on joe rogan god he, remind me who he oh yeah the cosmologist the yeah. yeah yeah i listened to that guy it did was that chile they were talking about the country they, they mentioned chile at least once yeah yeah that's i today uh, my day of cleaning the house i put on headphones and i just listened to rogan and kind of <laughs> warm up my brain i can just imagine you wearing like a chile little maid's outfit with the vacuum all around the house no panties is that what you, that what you do <laughs> no absolutely dude i put on my frills it's, it's black with frilly lace around it, it sounds um, so good feather duster kind of tucked into my hip no panties and when I bend over to pick up anything, I don't bend my knees. Just Well, that puts a very beautiful and disturbing image in my head. Thank you. You're welcome. It looks like a donkey from behind, <laughs> except for much smaller. Interesting. 
Um, so I want to get into your travels, but one thing that I, wa I want to take a break. Going that? back to Chile. Going back to Chile. Let's go back to Has Chile. Has been the third year in a row that it's been like the better um, travel place to visit. Better place to visit traveling. Better place. I do, yeah. Of South America. In Listen, between all South America. So this is it's one a of the really nice country to, to visit. I've got to do it, man. What's it's crazy because I keep talking about this and like Miko and Paula, they've they've said, "Dude, come stay with us." I know I have that open invitation. I I've never got an open invitation from any of my Chilean friends, <clears throat> uh, but I do. Believe, I don't know any. <laughs> but I do know if I hit up at least half of my Chilean friends, they would be happy to at least show me around and help set me up. Um, I've got a buddy who owns a DZ in fucking Costa Rica with a house on the fucking beach for a place for That's me to stay. That's the guy you need to hit up. Dude, that's uh, hey Nick. You want to take a vacation in Costa Rica one winter? You're gonna that be like a pretty to, solid you're plan. You're gonna yeah. be closer to Santiago to Chile. You come. Do we can make a double there. dip out of there, man? We could get Valerie. Let's go make a two week trip. Valerie, you have to Just take some time dip. off. Just the tip. Can you take two weeks off? Probably not, but let's fantasize about it. You know, I bet you you could. I mean, if we planned it far enough ahead of time, man, how good it would be. Get your wife to go make more money. Go skydiving Chile. You gotta go during summertime, so you got you can sure. go skydiving. To the south of Chile. To and Pucon our winter here go on top of the volcano. is our slow time, your summer. Yeah. Pucón. What's Pucón? Pucón, the south uh, city that the drop zone is located, the one with the volcano right next to it. Oh, dude, Pucon. I want to make that ride, dude. That's a, that's a place you want to visit. How often does that thing erupt? <laughs> Not very often. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it erupted. What's it called? Do you know the name of the ago? volcano? Villarrica. B-I-R-R-A-L-L. Do those R's again? R-R. You, no, you said it very American R. a second ago. R-R-R. I was R. trying to be like Tex. <laughs> yes, man. <laughs> um, uh, what? what? V-I-R-R-A-L-L-I-C-A. Barica. Yeah, Villarica. Volcano. Volcano Villarica. So when you fly over the volcano, I've seen some shots here and there. But do you ever look down and see the the lava? Can you see the molten magma? Yes. If you look up in me Instagram, there's a there's a video that that um, we're flying right on top of the volcano and you see lava erupting. You're just seeing it go. Blah. Yes. Oh. No, like literally erupting. There is so cool to see. We saw it with Camila erupting uh, a couple of years ago. The volcano usually generates strombolian eruptions with ejection of incandescent pyroclasts and lava flows. It's on the it's <laughs> on the it's on the tip of it. Like it's like the lava is like right there. Strombolian eruptions, incandescent pyroclasts. I don't know what the fuck that means. This sounds awesome. Stromboli is a hot. good sandwich, man. I do know <laughs> what that means. Probably hot, hot. So, uh, we're, we're, you, you, you're in Chile. We're going to travel, but for one second, I'm going to take a gravity lab timeout, man, just because... Let's do it. The, you know what? The one question or the, the one thing people ask us regularly about the podcast, we get a lot of good input and feedback, and, and thank you to everybody who comes up to myself or Nick and says nice things. But, Nick, what do you think the number one statement I make that shocks people the most about the podcast is? The thing you say about the podcast that shocks people? Yeah, people regularly tell me about it, and, and I'll even give you some insight. People are like, man, it's really cool. I just can't always watch it the night you guys are on, or I can't dedicate the time. So then I tell them something. Oh, yeah, that it's available it. as an audio-only podcast on your favorite podcast app. Holy, I, like, it, it, it blows Search my mind. Search for Gravity Lab Radio in your favorite podcast. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, I, I focus way too much on my radio guy voice. All right, all right. <laughs> on your favorite Nick podcast Anchors. app. 
No, I, I and I, it's a shameless. Search for Gravity Lab Radio on <laughs> iTunes. Sounds pretty good. <laughs> it's a, it's a Can shameless you say it plug, Spanish? but I gotta let people know that. In <laughs> español, por favor. No, no, <laughs> I don't have any of the words. He I can't do it, dude. Mira, Sancho Gravity Lab Radio podcast. Epo. That's a Spanish show. No. <laughs> <laughs> so and to up favorita Gravity Lab Radio. <laughs> it, it does blow do you my guys mind. Say, what do you say for app? You say app. 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 Yeah. App. App. You say app. It's the thing I've it's noticed is more it's modern words. Application. More modern Aplicación. ideas. Foreign countries just use the English version of it. So like it's I can. Chile super Americanized. I bet you in Japan they'll be talking like on their phone blah 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 app and it's. It's just crazy the American words that we adapt. So you're normally in Chile. Right now it's your winter back home. Chee chee chee. So you're Bye-bye. traveling the northern hemisphere more or less. You're visiting us for a couple of weeks. Where did you just come from? Uh, with Kami, we were in uh, Europe this time. We did a Euro trip. Uh, we got some savings there. Got to travel Europe and and do some skydiving there. Um, that was pretty nice. Uh, I uh, have been trained here in U.S. last year, for sure. Actually, seeing you guys in Spaceland. But this year, we want to go more on a different place, on a different, like, more... Um, um, to know different places, to know different cultures, to get more culturized. And then... Uh, get closer. Get closer. So what was the hardest part about traveling in Europe? What was the, what was the difficult uh, part about it? What's the hardest part? Well, transport for sure. There are some places that you don't have very good public transportation, so that's a pain in the ass. Like here, Houston. If you don't have your own car. Yeah, it's impossible if you to don't get have from a car. the city to the drop zone would be impossible. How do you do that? Dude, it's to get from the city to the drop zone is not horrible. You can easily Uber from the city to yeah, the drop zone. Yeah, but it takes zone. an Uber. Like you can't take a bus, there's yeah. no train, there's and no there But you cannot get from the drop zone to anywhere else once you're there. Once there you're there, you're fucked. Places with no Uber too. No Here what? in Houston, it is. There are no Ubers on some other places in Europe. There's no Uber. What? Uber. 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 I'm what sorry, man. Uber. 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 Yeah. Uber. I should be used to accents my mother speaks Uber. with everyone, and I mock her all the time, and I get in trouble. My poor Asian mother. I do. I make fun of her accent, and I still 43 years. She's older. Japanese. Hi. My oh, hello, oh, DJ. Hello. Oh, go oh. clean your room, okay? Mom. Mom, are you here? <laughs> hello. Dude, the more I, I don't, do you have this problem? My mom, her accent is heavy no matter what. But when she meets somebody new, she gets that super aware of her accent and tries harder, and her accent gets ten times worse. Do you notice if your accent's heavier when you're around new people, or when it you're drinking? Change it, it changes <laughs> a lot for sure. I try to speak better English when I'm with you guys for sure. Like more accent, like. How y'all doing, guys? <laughs> howdy, y'all. Oh, howdy there. Howdy. Howdy, folks. Say wash. <laughs> wash. No, bad. Uh, yeah, it's you close. Th- throw an R in there. Warsh. 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 What? There you go. You can <laughs> be from wash? New York. Warsh. It's just what shitty white trash Southerners say wash. instead of wash. And New Yorkers. And, uh, I'm going to go wash my clothes, all right? And whenever I would I'm going to wash my clothes down the creek. <laughs> 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 Texas accent got really thick the other night when he was drinking too. It was great. Oh, dude! And the more he talked about being from Texas and Bucky's, the more that some bitch got right into fucking roll, man. <laughs> fucking Texas, Yosemite Sam. If that some bitch grew up and was skinny, 
That's what fucking happens. It's such a character. Yeah, it changed. Dude. The accent changed. And then I'm, I talk more Latin English whenever I'm, like, more surrounded with Latin people. Like, it gets, like, softer instead of, like, trying to speak it the way you guys speak it all the time. So do you sense. have, like, let's say you're having uh, a conversation with someone in English, but this person is also a native Spanish speaker. Yes. Like, do you notice a difference in people's accents? Like, do you have, are there, is there any country that their English accent is harder for you to understand? Mm, depends on how much they talk in, instead of the accent, I would say. Like, oh, let me come up with a better question. What, uh, did you know, <laughs> did you know Kieran Maguire? Yes. Was it, was it hard to understand that motherfucker? Yes. Like, <laughs> there's different English accents that they are super hard to, to understand. Like, England, probably super, like, you say much Texan. Like, if you go super deep, Texan somebody it's gonna be really hard to understand because there's a lot of um, how do you call it uh, accents words, yeah more than the Dialects. accents the, word, the words from, from the, the place itself you know like um, I would dialects might be it um, I just lost the word in English I got it on Spanish I'm trying to think of the word Gidias what's that Gidias in, in Spanish yeah yeah um, dude I lived in Indiana for a while and I met some folks Slang. Slang. I was I was at a oh, dealer slang, yeah, lots of slang. slang. I was at a car dealership and dude this this dude from the the hills of Indiana and southern Indiana's got some deep country hills walked up to a dealership and asked me a few questions and all I could say was excuse me I couldn't understand a word this motherfucker was saying I actually had to get somebody from Paoli Indiana who worked at the dealership to deal with this guy cuz he could understand and speak Paoli which I mean, what the Paoli? Paoli Paoli Peaks I is one of the few snow summits in 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 uh, Indiana. And, and being from Utah, you would love this snow place because their largest hill is way smaller than any bunny slope I've ever been on in my life. So, but it, what what does Paoli mean? Is that a place? I have no clue. It's a city. It's a city in southern Indiana that's just full of hill jacks. Is is here. a nickname. Hill Jacks kind of cross draft. between a hillbilly and a and a redneck. Hill Jacks. Have you dealt with any like racist rednecks in your time here? Yes. You got dang Mexican. Get out of my country. Build the we wall. W- we were stopped in <laughs> by a cop in South um, Carolina. South Carolina. Okay. Yes. And he, well, he stopped us on the car. What you doing in my city, you got dang Mexican? It was pretty much like that. Uh, <laughs> he stopped us because we were speeding a little bit on the on the road. Um, he walks down with his hat for sure. You selling that marijuana? <laughs> <laughs> we're clear. <laughs> we're clear, boss. <laughs> Do you? Get we're referred- just going to Houston did, to skydive. Did you greet him with a howdy? <laughs> howdy, sir. Howdy, sir. <laughs> and we were with a Montana plate. <laughs> Oh, okay, perfect. So that's kind of like already making all sorts of red flags for this this face. Do they assume you're Mexican right away? Probably until I give you, I give them my driver's license that is from Chile, but it's south of the border anyway. So what's the difference? Yeah, to that guy, everyone who's brown and not from America, (laughs) you're all Mexican. He was super pissed off for sure because uh, he stopped us. He cannot, well, he can give us a ticket, but I think it's more a pain in the ass if he gives us a ticket to us foreigners paperwork talking i believe yeah he's so, got to fill out more paperwork so to give you he'd rather ticket. give you like a warning kind of like saying don't fucking speed again and get the hell out you know so he was super pissed off about like stopping us 
And uh, he was like, this is why you guys shouldn't be driving here. Like people from outside shouldn't be driving here because like he was so pissed off, you know, like you guys shouldn't be driving here. I'm taking you. Well, he sounds like a real a-hole. There's plenty of Americans I know who drive like fucking a-holes, dude. (laughs) Valerie and I were coming back from our vacation last week and got ran off the fucking road by a truck driver and got a flat tire because I'm pretty sure he's a white boy American driving an 18-wheeler. Was he sexting while driving? Uh, Dude, I think he was doing a rail off the steering wheel. Oh, good. Even better. (laughs) He should have been super focused then. (laughs) Dude, super, like straight up 18-wheeler, like car hauler, empty, and just... Starts coming to our lane, runs us off the road. Next thing we know, we got a flat tire. I've never watched the pressure gauge. You know how in modern cars, the tire pressure gauge exists and tells you what the tire pressure yeah. is? It flashes, and all of a sudden, just watches and go. So you Mexicans can drive all you want because this Americans fucked it up already. So you're traveling America. You just, in this weekend, you guys, you're actually hanging out and participating in a camp here at Houston. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I believe that's true. I think they're calling it a boogie, Nick. Is that what they're calling it? Well, Carlos. Keep it tropical, is, yo. Yeah, he wanted to call it the keep it tropical boogie. It's not really a boogie so much as it's a. Skills camp more it's than a, that. Yeah, it's a All camp. the way. It's, yeah, it's like. All the way skills camp. Not a boogie. No, boogie But we're, keep we're, it tropical boogie sounds like a lot of fun. Sounds way more cooler. More yeah. better butter. So what do you, what, what's your part? Like, what are you doing? Are you participating? Are you organizing? Are you coaching? I'm actually not sure until the day comes, but probably I'll be organizing some jumps, uh, sharing information with people, sharing some uh, some things that we have lived through, and then teach them how to skydive better, how to do better angles, probably. I'm a little bummed because one of my favorite Venezuelans is a guy named Claudio, or Chaudio, if you, if you know him as that. Chaudio, he, he crashed into our swoop pond several times. You know Claudio? I know who he is. I didn't know he had chowder in our pond. Oh, yeah, dude. And he, his nickname for a while was Chaudio. And also... How, what year was this? Oh, my God. Uh, dude, I, since 2005. Okay. So, and I would actually probably say since 2008 because I think I was doing the rating center full-time when he went through my courses and, and I did some training with him. Uh, he also is a handsome man. Ask him about his handsome man story if you get a chance. Actually, I haven't asked him. I need to ask. You that. know the story. Now we're gonna ask him now. Yeah. yeah. No. Uh, t- when you meet Claudio, you, you, you told me the story. Yeah. When you meet Claudio, just say, "I heard you're a handsome man." D- and, and make sure you say, "DJ said you're a handsome man." It's a fucking fun story. Should I just start by kissing him on the mouth? Was that a better place? Butthole. But <laughs> what the hell? Um, Rob knows me. Okay, he knows yeah. me. You're, so I'm going to miss Claudio because I actually am going to be out of town this weekend to a buddy's wedding. Uh, but you're participating in the camp as well, Mr. Lot? Well, uh, Carlos volunteered me to shoot video a while back. <laughs> so you never I, know. I guess I am. So you're going to be, oh, hey, speaking of, of video, I'm sorry, I totally distraction side business. Uh, do you know Brian Clark? Have you met my boy, Brian? Is he participating in the Gravity Lab sponsored film festival? He is seventeen in October. Nah, Ford? man. Old school staff member at Spaceland. Houston. What's his name? I was. I would really thought you were just going to try and promote the film festival. No, so no. That's where I went. No, Brian Clark. So he's an old school instructor. Brian Clark. That name sounds familiar. He got current with me a while back. Uh, he jumps every now and then. His father-in-law passed away in a plane accident two weeks ago. Oh, that's sad. And he's like a super, super dear friend to myself and to Stephen. And we're going to do a four-way ash dive for his father-in-law, Brian, myself. Valerie and Stephen, Sunday, October 8th, which is the Sunday of Jump for the Rose. 
Mark and we would like knows. outside video for that, Mr. Nick. Well, I'll see if I can get one of my videographers to go along with it. If you could find somebody who shoots quality video, like better shit than you try to fucking make up out there. Because mm-hmm. you just, you Sucks. might as well throw your camera out the fucking door. They'd probably and do get a better, better shot. Yeah, yeah, dude. No, for real, would you be interested in joining sure. us at all? Yeah. Um, we're not asking for anything made or production. He just wants a video to, sp- to give to his family to, to, to share with them. Um, sure. Uh, that would be cool. We'll talk more details later on. Sorry, it was on my mind. Um, oh, but we are having a film festival in October as well, dude. October fourteenth. Do you know about this film festival? No, that I was gonna ask you guys. About are you it. gonna I be? See, I've back. seen some posts about it, but are you gonna be back in town? Because you're traveling. Are you gonna be in town that weekend? I think so. You should be here. You should enter what's a video. Happening? Nick, what's happening? Uh, so let us know. We were bullshitting with uh, Luke Hively here on the podcast, and Luke makes some pretty decent videos and. Uh, we just kind of all decided that we were going to have a film festival and DJ went to all of his sponsors and got some prizes. And, uh, so it's just, there's a five minute time limit, make whatever you want that pertains to skydiving or aerial sport or flight or anything. Make a video about it. Get it to us by October. Wednesday before October 14th, whatever that day is. Yeah. As long as it's before the the film festival, when we have a day to, to watch the videos, then, uh, then we're pretty much taking anything. And the basic gist is, is you can win a GoPro 5, six free jumps, a Protract 2, a Viso, discounts on helmets, jumpsuits, um, yeah, all guys. sorts of shit, dude. So, Put your skill edits up. A couple Asian uh, lady boys, I think, are also in the prize pool. Uh, Jimmy Wynn is not <laughs> a prize motherfucker. I don't know why you're throwing him out there like that. No, but it should be a lot of fun. It's actually been really cool to, like, Jimmy reached out to me asking about, like, render settings, and I've been seeing Blair edit, and it's it's cool to see people. Blair Hamlink? Yeah. Yes, he's going to throw something yeah, in? Yeah, he's putting, he's putting something together. He, he does some pretty good videos, too. Yeah, it's great. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a really fun night just to sit around and watch cool skydiving videos of your buddies, you know? That's great. And, so then, and what better than have some prices for it? The best yeah. one. So, so the way it works is there's... Effort. We're, we're having an event in, at the Houston dro- Drop Zone and at the uh, Dallas Drop Zone on the same night. So they'll do all their videos there. We'll do all of ours here. And then the, the winner from each one of those becomes an online competition. And then it'll be voted on on Facebook, and then whichever one uh, wins on Facebook is the overall winner. So there's one more surprise for the film festival night that we haven't announced yet. Each location's also going to have free beer. Is that true? Yes. How did you work that out? How much better? Um, I am spending money on buying beer for everybody. Oh well, there that'll (laughs) that'll do it. Um, DJ sponsors. So. I'm working out the details of it at Spaceland Dallas. I've been. I, ben and I were working on logistics earlier this week, and we were talking about the beer, and he said he already has it arranged. I said, like, hey, I'm looking at doing – he's like, I already got a keg of beer for Dallas covered. Don't worry about it. So, But he said, I'm going to get 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 you drunk? He, yeah. Get you love drunk off my lumps? Yeah, Is that what yeah, he said? Yeah. But he wants his staff to, <laughs> uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. stay sober the next morning, work presentable, not have, you know, a little shenanigans at night. Um but uh, when he did that, it was something I was considering the weeks before because, dude, a keg of beer is a lot of money. And since Ben was able to get some compensation for that and have our friends help us cover that, it made me say, go ahead and, and fuck it. We will have a keg of beer here at Houston as well, whether I have to pay it straight out of my pocket or can get some of the same people to help finance it. So the film festival, it, for, for me, I've always loved them. It's a fucking excuse for my friends to show off either badass flying badass editing or really just fun videos and hang out and party together i have no incentive outside of a good time and that's our goal 
So uh, throw down, have some fun, drink some beer, hang out with your friends. It Get doesn't to matter. See some cool stuff. Yeah, dude, we're gonna see some like super stupid Shh. fun videos. I want to see who comes up with scary the funniest thing. Like, uh, yeah, I want to see someone just shoot a stupid little skit of some sort. I don't even if it's a minute long thing that's like a like in the middle of their video. That that shit's super funny to me. Do you know we got our first submission by the way? Scott Latinus? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think we uh, we talked about how he posted it and how maybe that's not officially in the rules. So yeah, we don't have a rule about this, but we need to start spreading the word because actually I saw some other people release video from what they're going to release, which I get it. But we we prefer and we are pushing for from now on because we've not made it clear ahead of time that uh, all your footage, all, all excuse me, at least not the footage, but the video is shown for the first time at the film festival. Yeah, and I mostly think that that's just the best for the for the reaction at the film festival. Like Scott's video is super funny. It's awesome. But uh, it would be a lot funnier at the film festival if everyone hadn't seen it already. You want your crowd to be fresh, right? You want them to be like, oh, this is the coolest thing. I, this is new. I want to vote for it. Yeah, for sure. So I... I I'm, hey, I'm going to interrupt you guys. I need to pee. How does it work on the... No, you stand up and go out that door. You didn't put the diaper on when you sat down? No. You don't oh, have just a, pee in the chair. Catheter? The, oh, I'm so much sure that's not... You know, you have an empty bottle <laughs> right here. Feels warm. Just shove it inside the bottle. Oh. So right on the other <laughs> side of that wall is the bathroom. Just walk it through the wall and you will be in there. <laughs> be right back. <laughs> we'll be talking about angle skydives. Yeah, yeah when I want to talk about canopy stuff for a little bit. Can we talk about canopy stuff? Absolutely, for a little bit? man. We can so, do that out. DJ, how many jumps did you have when you first started swooping? Oh, that's a bad question because I am not. Okay, the right hold example. on, hold on. Let me ask you uh, a question before that. Then, how many jumps would you recommend the average skydiver has before they start thinking about turning their canopy? And I'm talking about. I'm, we're starting at 90s. We're starting in the right spot. So I have X amount of jumps. I want to start to learn how to do uh, induced speed landings. So average is a hard statement for me to make because average... Okay, what about a number that wouldn't scare you? If I came to you and said, I have X amount of jumps and I'm thinking about doing this, at what point does that start to sound reasonable? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you two answers because average 500 plus jumps because the average person does not focus on canopy the way they need to learn it. So for the average person, at least 500 jumps because of your lack of focus learning. That being said, is if you've got focus learning early on, and when I say focus learning, I don't mean like I went out and just did a bunch of hop and pops, which super, super huge, super legit, uh, but coach jumps, structured learning, structured things, working with people on advanced techniques and, and, and different ideas, and more than advanced, but fundamental techniques. At that point, man, I've actually got people turning their canopies comfortably at 300 jumps, no problem, um, and, and like you said, through a progression, so... It, the answer varies between three to five hundred, I think. Um, for some people, a thousand. Like, you, fuck you, you're retarded. You should probably land straight <laughs> in the rest of your life. So, uh, next question: How many jumps did you have when you started uh, learning to turn your canopy? About a hundred. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, how many times did you bounce off the ground? Oh my gosh, uh, three or four really, really good ones that I'm super lucky I walked away from. Um, I had under 100 jumps when I started turning a canopy. I had a 1.3 wing loading at 20 jumps. And I'm not proud of these things. I say these things with uh, admission. Like, people will ask me, why the fuck do you invest your time in Nick Lott, man? He's being a jackass. He's doing stupid shit. 
And it's because I was a super stupid young jumper, did super stupid stuff, and people invested in me and actually saved me, convinced me to do different things. Um, I think the difference between me and some of our friends is I listened to my friends who tried to give me guidance. Um, I, I remember one time skipping off the tarmac at Elsinore. There's only one piece of <laughs> concrete, and I fucking skipped pretty hard, and I'm lucky I walked away, and I was fine and safe. Nothing. I, I tore up my jumpsuit, but, I mean, I, I was okay. That sounds like trying to soup, huh? Yeah. I skipped off the pond one day, uh, drove home an hour from Elsinore to where I was going, and I was living with some buddies on their couch at the time. And I was in the grocery store. My back seized up so much I couldn't walk and actually had to use um, – I, I was walking with a hand basket. And I, I couldn't do anything. I had to hold myself up by a shelf because my back had swollen enough to pinch off a nerve. And I had to use a cart as a walker. And it, it was a pretty scary day. So three or four really fucking good. I, I'm, I'm still suffering. I have compressed vertebrae. Two of my vertebrae are fused to a middle one, not through surgery, through natural injury. Um, it, it's one of the reasons I don't do a thousand jumps a year anymore. My neck and back are just absolutely devastated from a couple of my accidents. So not not proud or happy of it. Share it because I fucked up and don't be me. Have you bounced against the ground? Mm, uh, never really hard. No, there oh, was. I have done it on the water. Uh, yeah, I ha I've. I I've definitely set on to the water much harder than I intended to. That's and why you, you know, have the, the wing climbs a little bit because you've unloaded it so quickly. But I've never really smacked it. Uh, the ground either. But I've had I've had some really close calls. I had a friend who was teaching me to to turn my parachute when I had probably I was probably around four four or five hundred jumps around there. And he saw me do my turn, and I was low as fuck, and I stabbed with everything I had in the toggles at the last second to try and save it. And I had welts on my legs from the weeds. We had pretty tall weeds in our landing area. I had welts on my legs from how hard the weeds were whipping my Damn. legs as I pulled out. And he came over to me. He's like, you know, as I was watching you, I didn't know whether to start running towards you to help you or start running towards the hangar to call 911. And he's like, you were, that's how close you were. And I absolutely was that close to, to really pounding in. That's super close. Yeah, I have been close to the ground too a couple of times. Stabbing with the... With this the is towels. the most important timeout we've ever taken. Cami joined us, so you might want to say hello. Oh, hello, she's, she's hello. Been, she's been... Okay. She's been a little bit. Maybe watching from somebody else. Maybe I, not. I miss Cami. Hola, hola. Te amamos. You love her? Is that, that means we love you? Yes. Te, amo, te amamos? Yes. But te amo is I love you. I love you. Yeah. Te amo. Te amo. Yeah. I, I grew up, her. Grew I up in San Diego enough I have to speak some Spanish poorly. Just just enough to be sh sh shitty at it. So angle flying, that's what we're trying to go with this. That's where I really, that's like the hey, main reason. Fuck you. Don't work your angle on him. Uh. Are we talking about... Angel flying, <laughs> angel flying. So I, I love new jumpers who see angel flying and sounds they think we're doing angels. Angles in the outfield. Did you see that movie? Angels sounds pretty dark. <laughs> At Minotti in the outfield. What? <laughs> so what about angle flying, dude? What you you do some angels? Angels all the way. Okay, so pretend that I'm a new skydiver, and I've got 50 jumps, and I'm hot shit, and I know it, and I want to start doing some angle flying. What do you think about that person? <laughs> hard to say well it's not too hard to say but definitely don't get into angles get into um, skydiving information first on your belly like uh i but i saw this video on the internet and i'm pretty sure i could do it <laughs> bro you don't know anything about skydiving yet. good i th wish we could say that that direct i mean i think i 
sometimes I'm that direct with some people of like, hey, it's going to take you a second to realize you suck at this. <laughs> like, I've got 7,000 jumps. I suck at this. Like, what makes you think that you're going to be able to... I mean, I, that's, I, a, that's a skydiving thing. And that's a difference in between, like, people who is, like, thinks about flying only. And, well, skydiving is not flying only, too. So people focus on flying most of the times. And you as a skydiver, you as a skydiver, there's a lot of people out there right now that they're good free... Not free flyers, but flyers itself, but that suck at skydiving too. Like flying is not just skydiving only, you know. So what for you, uh, if you're organizing a group, what's the what's or or you're just let's just say you're coaching someone who wants to learn how to angle fly. Do you have like a, you know, a checklist of prerequisites like you have to be able to do this, this, and this before I'm going to teach you angle fly? It should actually. It should be like something like that. I I don't really have it. I start teaching people who wants to do angles after they they know how to at least belly fly quite well. Um, because like if you don't know how to fly, how to belly fly nicely and how to belly fly with other people nicely, it's gonna be hard to to get to angle flying right away because it's like formations. For me, angle flying is formation skydiving too. Just moving formations. Yes, because whenever you p it's, if, if people want to do angles too, it's like gonna be more than two people. It, they always want to do it like in groups, two people or more. So whenever you're approaching to an angle flying, it's formation skydiving, and actually I would say it's one of the hardest formation skydivings too, because it's like all moving all the time. It's not going straight down like as you're doing on your belly or later on your seat fly or way well head down. They're the same principles where you are doing angle flying too. Two of the most so important parts of free fall is approaching a formation yeah. and leaving a formation. Yeah, so angle flying, I would say, is the same. And uh, that's kind of like uh, the hardest part for me to teach because there's a lot of new skydivers, new jumpers, mm -hmm. that they want to start uh, free flying or angle flying right away. And you can teach them how to angle fly, but then whenever you they want to approach to a group angle flying, they need to have basic formation skydive knowledge. How to approach, how to get on level, how do we get on level, controlling the speed, either going faster or slower. But you control the speed until you match the speed of the base, right? Yeah. And then you get closer. So it's pretty much the same thing on, on angle flying. You match the speed first, then you get closer. But it's a lot harder because you're not just falling straight. You need to be already having control of what angle are you flying, flying you know? So you, are, you need to have a lot of knowledge before just like uh, it adds another dimension of movement to the whole thing, right? It makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. And so now they have these base fundamentals. Let's, let's say they went through all those big way camp to learn some of these fundamentals, or or they've done some uh, good organized jumps. Would you start them with tracking before they went to angles and get used to movement first, or is going straight to angles with a good coach uh, no, an okay sure, place to go? For sure, tracking is the is the main thing. Mm -hmm. uh, at least you know. Um, they need to know how to control the speed first and then how to control the angle, I'll say. Um, the easier you control the speed, you're going to be able to fly on level with the group. Then we start flying or with the somebody you're trying to fly. And then let's start trying about like flying angles. So as soon as you control the speed, you control how to angle fly, you can start approaching to different two groups of people skydiving for angle flying. Make sense? It, it does. It, and it's so it leads to the next question for me is 
kind of a twofold question. Do people, and I'll ask both real quick, do people traditionally learn to fly angles on their belly or on their back easier? And also, which one would you recommend they learn first, regardless of what's easiest? Um, there are different people. There are different personalities. There, there are a lot of different people that, for sure, everybody start doing it on your on your belly because you mm -hmm. know how to belly fly right yeah. away. Uh, so you at least have one axis of the belly flying straight down, forward, backwards, up, down. Then, like, move while tracking definitely it's going to be easier on your belly if you try on your back if you don't know how to backfly for example uh, i met people who who asked me to to angle to angle fly or to track fly on their backs and i asked them if they know how to fall straight on their backs and they don't know so i tell them like if you don't know how to fly on your back how are you expect to like fly static on your back how do you expect to start moving yourself on your back it's like someone yeah. belly it's like imagine you don't know how to fly on your belly and you want to start tracking. Yeah. It doesn't make sense, you know? Like, start moving first and then being still, it's not going to work, you know? Like, yeah. AFFs are, get to know how you fly still, uh -huh. up, down, forward, backward, side slides and stuff. And then you start moving yourself more a little bit. But for angle flying, two-way tracking, it's not that hard. You know, you don't know, you don't, you do not need that big of a knowledge. If you're being directed by a coach that knows where to go, that, that is pretty much uh, the most um, hard part to make people realize that moving while skydiving, it's super dangerous because you're moving through the sky whenever you have different groups. Do you have any idea of what kind of forward speed you get on angles? Do you know? No, I don't know what it is. I mean, I, I don't have a fly sight. I'm sure someone has those numbers. But it's it's a really crazy visual. I, I have almost only flown angles on my back uh -huh. just because uh, it's something that uh, I have definitely learned more free flying in the tunnel than in the sky. That's where, that's where I learned how to do it. So I've done a lot of in-face carving in the tunnel. Which is back flying. Which is basically back flying. So uh, angle flying is a lot like doing an in-face carve minus the turn. You're using the same body position, similar drive. You're just taking out the turn. So that was an easier way for me to, to learn. But uh, just recently, I've started working on uh, belly angles, which feels uh, pretty... It feel, it's pretty different, but, you know, you've um, with a good coach... It's it's uh, a lot easier to translate some of that stuff that I've learned on my back. But the visual is crazy on your belly. Because on your back, all you see is the people that you're flying with. And that's what you get used to seeing. Is It's, it's a lot like head-down flying where you're mostly just looking at the person. Uh, you know, Head-down flying, you're looking at your cross partner. But angle flying, you're, you're looking at the leader um, and, and basing your position off of that person. But now you're on your belly and you see the ground and you actually see how much you're moving over the ground. And you feel a lot more, to me, I feel a lot more like a fighter jet cruising through the sky when I'm looking down, getting that perspective. You definitely it, are. Yeah, it really feels, it. yeah, it feels like, I mean, because you really are moving over the ground, you, but the visual sense of, of how far you're going and how fast you're moving is, is really there. But no, I don't know what the number is. So coming back to the same thing, like, um, when, when you're teaching people to angle fly, same thing we're pretty much talking, uh, 
it's not too hard to teach him how to fly, but it's really hard to teach him how to do it safely, how yeah. to angle fly by themselves safely. You guys in here in Spaceland have a pretty nice program too, you know? You need to fill up a, wi- a tracking sheet. Uh, you need to have the experience on jumps to know exactly how jump run is, what are the winds doing, and basic stuff that you need to know to come back to your drop zone safely whenever you jump out of the plane, moving from the line of flight. So I would say this is the, these are the topics the hardest to teach to people, mostly outside of the Spaceland too, because like Spaceland has it pretty clear too. You know, you guys are here. You guys are pretty tough at it. But not all the places are like this because it's kind of like easy to fly angles on yeah. your belly as well because you need, you know how to fly on your belly. You already feel yourself comfortable in your belly. So instead of like going to sit fly, you want to start moving on your belly. Kind of like makes more sense. But uh, I think like people need a lot of more time on, on skydiving, on, on knowing how skydiving works before it start getting into tracking and actually angle flying. If, if you know, if you guys know what I mean. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. And it seems like when I started learning, when you had a lot of people on a jump and no one was really great at anything, like not everybody could free fly. Like, let's say we're trying to organize a big, a big jump. And not everyone's great at free flying, so you're going to do a belly jump. It's like a tracking jump is something that would happen a lot. It was like the lowest common denominator, something that everyone could kind of do was track on their belly, right? But and then, then, then what's, that's why you have, like, back on the day, not back on the day, but, like, before, like, track, track jumps. What was a track jump before? Like, one guy on his back leading yeah. the jump, mm-hmm. and then all the rest on their bellies, right? But that was, like, pretty much flat tracking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's, so it's changed a lot since then, but that was just, like, tracking was always the thing that everybody thought they could do. And I don't think it really came clear how uh, dangerous those jumps uh, can be until, you know, angle flying started becoming a bigger thing, and then you had such a difference in uh, vertical speeds uh, happening between people in the group, and collisions started happening and then line of flight stuff started happening because people start doing turns and stuff like that so i i don't i think it's another big thing in skydiving that the understanding of the risk is really limited by someone's knowledge of the sport that someone might not realize all of the risks that are involved with angle flying because there's so much information about skydiving that they just they just don't know yet so they can't really tell that it's a bad idea does that make sense total sense it does so my best recommendation for people like starting to to angle fly or 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 wanted to track on groups too is like it would be like for sure get yourself better on your belly get yourself more uh, n- more knowledge about how formation skydiving works and what's the easiest um, way to get to formation skydiving is like on your belly like four people on your belly and then start getting bigger there's a big program here in in US about how to get yourself good on your belly and on groups in your belly. Then later on, whenever you transfer to seat flying, principles to flying on groups are the same. Sure. Now you're changing the technique of how you're flying, but the principles are the same. Same way you're going to head down. It's the same, a whole different type of flying, but the same 
idea. Learn Get one new thing yeah, at a time. At least when you're teaching someone a new orientation, you're not having to also teach them the fundamentals of group skydiving at the and same I, time. And That's I something that should come with, with belly flying. Yeah, for sure. And I believe like we're we're not doing it. I'm actually probably not doing it too either, like most of the times. Uh about teaching how to like proper uh formation skydive before just flying. Because I say like every single group you jump with is formation skydive. Yeah. And then uh, whenever you get people with the knowledge of formation skydive, getting them to formation skydive on their seat flying or their head downs or their angle flying can work a little bit safer. It can work a little bit easier, depending on the skill level they are, for sure. It's interesting because it, it doesn't matter who we've spoken with, whether it's been Nelson talking about free flying, Raul talking about big ways, I, any of these guys, even actually uh, Hank and myself and Doug talking about instructor ratings. The thing every single one of these guys keep coming back to and gals is you keep talking about the fundamentals of small group formation skydiving on your belly. It, it, it's It's something that... I don't know, man. I've been doing it long enough, and it still blows my mind that people don't grasp the concept. And, you know, yeah, you watch people like Mumphy over here who are just total fucking shredders, and, and you watch Stephen Boyd who just fucking crushes it in the sky, and you think, well, I can just do what he's doing. You can, but what route did we take? You know, I made some mistakes, but at some point in my learning curve, I said I fucked up, and I went back to the fundamentals of flight. When I became an AFF instructor, I was a free flyer through and through. Most of my jumps were vertical, and I didn't know how to belly fly. And I went out and started getting coached four-way jumps. I started going out and doing high-level belly coaching. I say doing, receiving. And that's what you keep preaching out is, is the fundamentals is what this is all about. Yeah, for sure. Like, I was pretty lucky on my um, course progression of, of learning about free fly and how to fly itself mm -hmm. because uh, I was doing video jumps in back in Chile. I was doing AFF jumps. So I stay a lot of time on my belly, flying on my belly and getting to know how to fly on level to get close to the formation, to the people you are trying to fly with and then touch it if you can, right? You know, th I had interaction with a couple different uh, younger fun jumpers like people that I've seen start within the last year, one of whom had like 150 jumps, the other has just about 200 jumps. So they're they're right in the same neighborhood. But uh, one person has been doing a lot of just whatever, go have fun, no plan, just jump with people and do whatever you want sort of jumps, really, uh, really unstructured, no discipline. And the other person has been on a four-way belly team. And the guy on the four-way belly team is both knowledge and skill-wise so far beyond this other person that it's like, man, that really that really is a great way to go of learn learn basic belly formation stuff, get with a group of people that you can jump with consistently and reliably, and learn to you know get a feel for how everybody flies. And uh, man, well, the the structure of uh, you know formations and even if you don't get ready for a competition, just the, having the, the structure and having a plan, having you know instilling some discipline in it, man, it makes for uh, uh, much, much different skydivers, much better skydivers. It's, it's, a, it's a big thing for sure. Like uh, whenever you're trying to fly with big groups of people, whenever we're in Olympics, for example, mm -hmm. um, they're super skilled jumps. But the people is for sure skilled enough to do them. Uh, on their heads, flying formation skydives. 
And I feel whenever you have success jumping with these people, it's was when everybody's like pretty aware of like the basic things, getting on level, fly your slot, then talk to the rest of the yeah, people. That's kind but of a conversation on every as, debrief. As as everybody, <laughs> yeah, but as everybody's like trying to um, to just learn how to fly, how to get on level, how how to approach the formation, we kind of like forgot the the muscle memory about these three little simple details on on how to fly, and we focus too much on how to fly instead of just like these little things that belly formations are who teach you the best these basics. Yeah, Makes people sense. that you know the people that really have that instilled in their brain that have those fundamentals that don't have to think about those fundamentals that that be has become habit those are the people who usually fly the best but what you're saying that's, is that's what i know, wanted to like go through <laughs> I've, I've heard mikey knight who's organized at every live bigs event that i've been to ev dude every every event when you're trying to do that jump that pushes it just a little bit you know when you're trying to do that formation load and you're trying to get everybody together like that's just you're saying exactly what he says of get on level Fly your slot, take a good dock, present like that you're doing your all of these things that, that are super fundamental and basics of, of skydiving as a whole. If you just do those things, it really does work. But people, whenever like it's like the same thing, we're so focused on flying that we kind of like a lot of people skill, skip that part on their bellies. So now they're trying to learn how to get on level, how to approach the information while still trying to learn how to fly it's interesting because have you ever organized a hybrid skydive no no i'm, I'm a little bit shocked Actually, you've no. been on them i'm, I'm sure yes, of that. i've been on nick have you organized hybrid skydives or God, been on them at i've least? been on uh a dozen or so what's the hardest part getting the free flyers there for the belly stuff is absolutely the hardest a hundred percent and, and uh, are you uh, you're laughing why are formation, you laughing formation skydive Dude, when it because it's like free flying, free flying is such a cool thing, you know. You want to fly yourself better, so most of us like skip that part of like formation skydiving and we go straight for free flying. Belly's and boring, w dude. What did Tech say last week about belly? I only boring? fly yeah, my belly to if pull. If belly is boring, it's probably because you suck at it, dude. That is one of the fucking smartest things I've heard somebody say in a long time, and I can't believe it came out of Texas. Now, Texas is a super intelligent dude, man. I don't. How much time you spent with them? But if you suck at bell, if belly's boring, you probably suck at it. And I think that's true of most of what we do, man. If you're if you're bored under you're, canopy, you, you cannot, suck at it. You cannot call yourself free flyer if you cannot fly in your belly. Free it's flying like, is not vertical; it's all axes. Yes, I say I say like to people who's like starting to belly fly to belly fly to free fly as well. It's like free flying is like four twenty five percent of different flyings. Twenty five percent on your belly, static. Twenty five percent on your back 25% head up 25% head down and 25% in between <laughs> and then there are lo a lot of more other 25% yeah. yeah so whenever you got these three four axes sorry you can start actually moving on yourself like up down and connecting everything and that's why you get you get a good free fly but you need to really know how to fly on your belly how to fly on your seat how to fly on your back and then, like, formations, kind of, you can fly it, but then fly with other people, fly with a base, and fly related to other people on it. It's hard as fuck. One thing, I, you just kind of, what you just said sparked a thought in my brain. I, I don't know. 
we commonly say the most neglected uh, orientation is on our belly, but in a thought process, I don't know if I think if I agree with that. I think the most neglected access is on our back. I, where do you sit on that, Rob? I mean, I, most people neglect their belly way too much, but they completely skip back flying. Yes, <laughs> and then whenever like, I I believe like people actually backfly today's today, nowadays because they go to the tunnel. Yeah, and you cannot yeah, fly on you your seat. You can't sit fly if you can't back fly in the tunnel. Fly. Yeah, for sure. So I I do I'm agree that that's probably something that's filled the hole for a lot of people. Is oh I had to do it in the tunnel before they let me sit fly. And then that helps you out so much on seat flying. Of course, if you don't know sure. how to back fly, there's never a way you're gonna learn how to seat fly. There's a people approach me to learn how to seat fly as well, and I ask them at first for sure, do you know how to fly on your back? And if they cannot properly fly on their back, they're never gonna be able to fly on their seats. And if they do so, they're gonna have so many bad habits, so many. Uh, yeah, I agree. I, I don't agree with the never, but you qualify it with they'll ha have so many bad habits because I grew up in a day and an age, and so did Nick, that we weren't even taught. I, I doubt you were taught to backfly, that you, you were a, a much better sit flyer before you were a backflyer. I remember trying to sit fly on my 15th jump with two instructors who thought it was a fine idea. Uh, dude, that's, I started free flying somewhere within 20 jumps as well. But uh, the only thing they talked about about back flying was you had a good recovery position is what they referred to it as they weren't really even calling it back flying recovery yeah yeah so they said you did the the right thing i remember watching the video with them and having them debrief me about what happened they're like <laughs> i remember this kid saying you're nowhere near a sit fly but this right here is what you should be doing as a recovery position so i was doing terribly but uh there, there was never any importance put on, hey, you need to be able to hold a heading on your back and be able to control your fall rate and all that. That, that, that was never a conversation. It's, curious, it's interesting for me because old school back flying is, is so neglected. In AFF courses, AFF examiners, evaluators, we back fly to teach people to roll us over. And I actually have to ask these skydivers, Raul, uh, hey, Raul, I want you to roll over on your back and sit still. And he's like, sit still on my back? I don't know if I can do that. And when I'm teaching guys like him and Hank, who both have been on the show, Chris Fudala, who's more modern, he was better at it. If you roll over to your back and you're spinning, your goal is to stop it, and this is how you stop it. If you roll over to your back and you're sitting still, then your goal is to turn. And I give them, I have to give them the options because they, they roll over to their back and they don't know what the fuck's going to happen. And most of them can't sit still. Hank, Raul, the first time I told them to sit still on their back, they couldn't. Thousands, eight, ten thousand jumps each. Sit still on your back, and, and they couldn't do it. They were belly flyers anyway, so I they were more focused on their belly, and they were shredders. Oh, absolutely, but it shows how much we've neglected back, back flying over the years. Back flying is part of free flying, for sure. So I, I can back fly at the same speed that I can fly on my head, right? Okay, yeah. So... I, I just want, as an experiment, to go as the bad student and see if I can just backfly faster than someone can catch up to me. Have you ever had that happen in a course? Um, so part of it is just because some depends, people just can't go fast. And depends who are you jumping with. Like Hank's going to for sure catch you up Hank's going to relax. <laughs> I'm probably going to be struggling. Yeah. 
Part of the answer is depends who it is, uh, skill set wise. Part of it is is build wise because Mumphy or Valerie are both very skinny built, floaty people. I, I'm just in my scenario. I'm imagining that I'm doing this just to be an asshole to one of your AFF candidates. Oh, you can dust them every day of the week. Okay, good. There's a rule as <laughs> AFF examiners that we can't take advantage of our skills. We can only do what we've seen students really do. What? What are the? I'm sorry. No, go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. Finish your finish your idea. We can only do what we've seen students really do. We can use the skills we have to emulate it, but we can't take advantage of our skills to, to to fuck you. So. What are the minimum requirements for AFF students? AFF instructors. Rating? Oh, it's a, to me, it's a joke. Six hours of free fall and a C license in the United what, States. What's that as a general number of skydives 360 jumps if you're jumping from 13,500 really? feet man i always in my head the math was like 750 jumps 60 seconds of free fall is common on otter drop zones right right 60 seconds times six is 360 that's six hours 360 jumps minimum if you're going by six hours Ugh. Hey, thank you I recommend a thousand. I, I recommend twelve hours, which is about seven hundred and some odd jumps. Which I think you go with that number. Do you guys know how friend, friends work? Like the program of France for instructors? No, I'd like to hear it because I know their AFF program. I don't know exactly all the details, but I know on France for you to be an instructor, you need to have at least a thousand jumps. Okay. At least a thousand jumps. I like that plan. And then before going through the course, you need to pass at three test jumps. And here we do have, you have to pass at least three test jumps. And the problem... No, no, but I'm saying like before even getting before the course. into the course. I see what you're saying. So it's like uh, one of the three is like the, the student or the instructor who's like teaching you the course... I know this because I did the course of uh, French in system, but of course I never get any license or whatever. But that doesn't matter. I went through a course with uh, some French people. First jump, the student dives out, and two seconds after, you need to jump out after him. And then you have, I don't exactly remember how many seconds were, but it was about 12 seconds to catch 12 him 12 seconds up. to get there and... And do you and have grab to make, him. Okay. Yes. Make That's a okay. good aggressive move. Yes. And the other jump was you jump with the instructor, you are in front of him on your belly, he's on his belly, and then you need to dock in front of him, then on his legs, then in front of him again, like going on one direction. Round, cat, round. Then back on his feet, and then back again in front, pretty much the same, about 12, 15 seconds stop. I don't remember exactly, but it was around there. I like this. And then the third one... It was your free fall, uh, your yeah, free fall in front of your instructor, belly flying as well, and then you need to perform a back loop, front loop, 360, 360, back loop, front loop, 360, 360, and then it was a little more, a few more seconds, but it was pretty much around there. 18 so would be my guess because it's a, a a style series. Yes, and then after those three, you are like, okay, you complete. The test jumps, you can go through the course. So you have to qualify to go through the course first with these jumps. Yes. Yeah, it's a super good idea. And then for being an actual instructor, you need to go through a one year of education class, like being a teacher, like an actual teacher, uh -huh. to perform as an instructor. So that, that brings up one qualification I kind of screwed up. If you have less than 500 jumps to be an AFF instructor... 
you have to have your coach rating for a year, which I doesn't really make a huge difference up just because most people don't use that rating uh, as well as I think the apprenticeship style uh, lends it to be. But you're telling me that someone could come in, do 360 full altitude free fall jumps, 140 hop and pops, get their coach course, uh, knock out their coach rating, and then the next week take it an AFF course? Well, really, you actually only need 100 jumps to do a coach rating. So you can do your coach rating 100 jumps in the next year's time frame do 260 jumps to be at a total of 360 and do your AFF course. Shit. And I Those mean, people exist, don't they? Absolutely, man. Ugh. And but there are plenty of people who've there, had there, their rating in one and year. there's people who's super good at it probably with that amount of jumps on, or experience because they're dedicated or they're Dude, like I really will, knowledge of, of the, the danger. And I agree that that's probably very true that, the that those sure. people but they're exist the and they are the exception. But the people who aren't the exception cite that person as the reason why they should be able to do it when pretty likely that their skill set's not there. The hardest part is not only is their skill set not there, so there's evaluators, examiners, who I believe are just half-assing the course. And and if you're somebody out there training instructors and you're and you're doing favors to friends to help them get their instructor rating, one day their student's going to get hurt or maybe even die, and it's your fault, man. If you're an examiner poorly training instructors, they are poorly training students, and their students are dying because of you. I, I got no ego That's actually why, why I tell... Consuelo to, well, I didn't tell her to do you it. You encouraged her. Yes, I did my part on like saying what I know, on like doing the rating with uh, the rating selectors. You guys, oh, for man, example. Thank you. Um, because you guys don't take it easy, you know. Like it's not like ah, oh, you got the basic minimum regards. Yeah, you pass. No, you're gonna make sure he knows how to do it, and then at least you make sure the people who's going through the course with you, they are gonna do a pretty good job after they go and search for their um, AFF uh, jumps, right? Uh, dude, I, there's something so silly I'm proud and, of. And there's other people who like, sorry for interrupting, no, but go ahead. They, they are like, oh, I want to go to an easier place. And Consuelo was one of the, the opposites, yeah. being like, I don't want to go to the easy place. I want to go to the place where it's hard, where it's like not easy to get your rating because you're going to be well teached. Because you're gonna earn be, it. Yeah, you wanna earn. You wanna know that you have the knowledge to teach people how to how to jump out of a plane, and that's why actually Cons Consuelo chose the rating centers too Thank because you, she, she knew it's not gonna be an easy an easy thing. And to teach somebody how to skydive, you don't wanna like just like get that by paying. You wanna really earn it, right? I I, I agree, man. It's one of the silliest things I think I'm proud of is. I've, I've heard from the executive director of USPA, the president, a few other people that, that when we part a uh, company, hey, keep up your reputation. And I've asked them, what's my reputation? You're too fucking hard. Uh, I, I've gotten complaints from other examiners and from candidates who say we're too hard. And I mean, I, I know examiners who say you can only spin so fast as an AFF examiner. Have you ever seen a student slow down their spin and say, uh, well, I'll only spin this? No, they spin out the fuck out of control. They only speed up. Yeah. So I helicopter will, style. I will never spin as fast as a student can spin because I've actually grayed out, almost blacked out from a spin. You will have to go out of control. Yeah. You don't want to go out of control. That's good. No, man. I, I've literally seen the gray turn to start to turn to black, and I mean, like, I had to stop turning, and it, it fucked with my head. I'll never spin that fast again in my would life. Would you like to go out of control enough, Sky? That would mean you're out of control all the time. It's crazy. 
Dude, on this show, half the time I, we really are. So I want to get back to that back flying, and what's the best practice for back flying? Hey, so let's just say, just a yeah. just a warning here. We just hit the two hour mark a couple minutes ago, so uh, we're we're gonna wrap it up kind we're of. Gonna, like we're gonna just start. Let's just start moving that way. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. We're close to it. So I'm a skydiver. Uh, Kevin busted. Craig brings us up, man. I'm a skydiver. Yeah, we're already over our two hour limit. But I can't over. get to the tunnel. It's all right because Mumphy doesn't come into town all that often. No, man. We're I can't get to the tunnel. I can only skydive. What's the best way for me to get into back flying and to continue in skydiving? Obviously with a coach, but what's the guidance a new flyer needs for back flying? When I take people to back flying, like studying back flying, like luckily I'm an AFF instructor too, and, and I take it that way. People ha- doesn't know how to back fly. They have never back fly. You don't teach them how to back fly on any single formation skydive uh, out of the course program, STP program. You don't teach them how to back fly. Yeah, you only teach them how to get off of their back if they happen to find themselves right, there. Yeah. Right, right. So whenever pe- people ask me to like seat fly, I make sure they know how to back fly. And to make sure how to back fly, I actually take them out of the plane as an AFF pretty much, holding on. But flipped over, right? Huh? But you just have them flipped over to exit on their back, right? You got the same grips, but they're... No, they're like from the beginning on their backs. Oh, oh okay. But you're not, you're not holding those um, grips for their belly. You're holding the grips for their back. Yes. Okay, He's like it. flying on his back and I'm like holding on to the side. Your belly, their back, yes. AFF style, yes. side body. So then I actually go to the front and then communicating with them, I teach them how to turn, right? How to 90 one side or 360, 360. And whenever they're like really controlling that, that's the time when I start like releasing them. Yes. And okay, they know how to control their uh, heading, heading control. So I release them so they can be on heading with me. And we work a little bit on like how the speed is going, like go bigger so you can go up and down a little bit. And then they're already pretty much back flying. So, I mean, kind of the easiest answer to Kevin's question is the best practice for back flying is find a coach and not somebody who will coach you, but a legit coach who has experience coaching back flying. Yeah, I, I wouldn't know how to like approach to this, like who is the best, but it would be like a good free flyer. Not, not a, someone who has a coach rating, right? Can no, that no a good yes. free flyer that not actually, has an hopefully, AFF I would say, is actually a AFF instructor as well because he knows how to grip you. He knows where to grab. He knows how to handle somebody being gripped and on his belly. And he's trying to teach you some free fly moves. Or a good tunnel instructor as well. When you say AFF instructor, also somebody, and I will use Tex as a prime example because he knows how to grip somebody as well. That, that advantage is definitely there with... Not just a tunnel instructor, but all the qualifications you give, and they're either a good AFF or tunnel instructor as well. The only issue that I will have with the tunnel instructor is that the same thing. We're teaching skydive. So we're teaching how to backfly yeah. while skydiving. So there are many other skydiving things going on through that jump than just knowing how to fly on their backs. Exit, break off. So camping. that's what I say AFF instructor too. Yeah, especially with the rig on, it's pretty different than the tunnel. Absolutely, yeah. And probably somebody who's learning how to fly on their backs is going to be not an experienced skydiver. Yeah. yeah they're, they're if you want to be grip on it. If you know a really good experienced skydiver as, well, people we know, if they're going to their back, they're not going to be holding onto them. They know what they're doing jumping out of a plane. They know the things they're doing safety-wise. 
Yeah. They know how to control themselves too. So a lot, a lot of things I hear, and I, I've done a lot of backfly coaching with people, and I've, I do the exact same thing you do. I go out in that AFF slot, let them backfly their slot. It's it's such a chill, easy way. We get a good video. It, I, I like it better than traditional AFF because just that little bit of a change in angle on their back gives me even a better shot of what they're seeing uh, on my video. But now uh, I'm a young flyer. I've gotten some coaching from you or from one of my homies to backfly and I'm going to start doing solo backflies. Where, where do you sit and feel on this idea? Yeah, that's a sound. Well, what's that sound mean? It could be really sketchy huh? because you have no idea where you are at the sky when you're backflying just watching sky, blue skies and not doing anything else, but watching sky, you don't know where you're going. You know, you don't know about like jump run. You don't know where anything's at. I mean, even if I'm if if I lift my chin as high as I can and look straight up, which is on my back, looking straight at the horizon, it's still a very limited view of heading reference. Yes, that's what I always recommend people to to want to learn how to free fly or actually want to know how to belly fly better. Always get coached by somebody, get coached by somebody who knows how to fly, who knows how to explain you the things. And as soon as you as the instructor feels you can do it by yourself backfiring for example yeah it's because you're having control of the axis you're having control of the movement you're having but try to learn it by yourself i don't think it's a good idea how do you think about it nick i, I don't think it's a i mean even if you i okay. know there's a lot of money involved on it Th on there's a lot of money which is more coaches and more coaches thing, but, but you're saving so much money with but we all, spent, we all spent money to learn how to skydive, right? Learn so right at the we first. We were all able to come up with the money to learn how to jump in the first place. You should be able to come up with the money to learn how to do new stuff, new cool stuff. But I, I agree with you. The back flying by yourself is really dangerous because you don't know how you're moving through the sky. And because the sky is so big and we have the... Most, so small, though. It is small. When something goes wrong, you realize how, how little the space is that we're sharing. But... People don't realize that because most of the time it works out fine and nothing bad goes goes on. So to the person doing it, it feels like success. It feels like they're doing it. It feels like they're learning when the whole time they may have just been spiraling up or down jump run, you know. But because at the end their parachute opened and they landed safely, they feel like that they feel like they're progressing. They feel like they're doing it right, even though they might just be learning bad habits. And if you're doing something wrong, there's no one there to tell you what direction you are moving, how to fix it, and no one to, to guide you forward. So even though it is a little more expensive to pay for coaching, really you're going to save money in you're your progression. Saving. by and saving money on knowing how to do it right and not yeah, cheat yourself on somebody else. Instead of learning it wrong right and then realizing you need to pay someone for their time to help you fix it. It's Kevin Craig asks an easy question for me to answer, and it leads back to your statement. Is First of all, if you're at Spaceland Houston, it, it, are you looking for good coaching? Text man, our guest last week, Jesse Tex Leos, is regularly available at Spaceland Houston, and you want good fucking coaching, you can hit him up every day of the week. You want to get free flight coaching whenever you start yeah. free flying. Uh, not in town all the time, but actually a pretty decent coach is a guy named Jay Vienendahl. He sucks as a human being. He's kind of kind of a dick. Uh, but other than that, uh, no, he, he's, a, he's a super, super good coach, and there's plenty of other guys available uh, like that there. Um, but... The, something I used to hear as a young jumper, and I and I think I still agree with this. I want to know where you guys sit. Five coach jumps, I can learn more in five straight quality, five consecutive coach jumps 
than I can learn in 100 jumps by myself. For the average person, true or false, do you think that statement's true? Five coach jumps worth learning of 100 jumps without a coach? Depends on the coach. A good coach. Well, that's a good answer that, that Rob came with. Let's go with a good coach. Somebody and, like and that's Jesse. pretty much the same thing that we were talking about, like the program you guys have at USPA, for example. Yes, sir. The guys, like French guys who does it. I feel like the it's like a 100% personal thing, you know, that I'm yeah. saying right now, but I just like came up with this idea. It's like, well, you have your own things to be an instructor, to be a coach. You need to have a certain amount of jumps. But after you get the course, you don't have any actual training, like actual real training after a guide by somebody who knows it. Well, here in Spaceland happens, for example, because I know people who has done the AFF course. Mm -hmm. Then they get to be AFF instructors, but they are teach by the better, well, yeah, better, more knowledge AFF instructor that there already exist. But it's not like a real program. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, there's so not a lot of stru th there's a lot of structure to get your A license, and then not much structure to do things like free flying and high performance. I mean, th that coaching is there, like for canopy stuff from somewhere like the rating center, where there are advanced canopy courses. But there's still, I think there are a lot of guidelines missing of prerequisites, what you should be doing before you enter this course, and uh, for free flying especially, like what you what should you know before it's safe to start free flying? Like that's not really written down anywhere. Yeah, I feel like. People, whenever they get the ratings too, for example, mm -hmm. you guys do it pretty good because you guys keep track of them, but mm, that's not the whole world, right? So yes, uh, you get your rating and then you start teaching people. But you need to know how to start teaching people too, right? Yes, sir. And that's kind of like a progress. Uh, and, I feel, and I feel that's where we have like coaches teaching some stuff and sometimes you feel like that coach shouldn't be teaching that, you know? Because he has been, he hasn't been with the right people, like people like Neil Lott, you guys, that uh, you can ask questions. You can be like, "Am I teaching the right stuff? I'm already an instructor. Am I teaching it the right way?" And then you guys are like, "Yeah, you're teaching it the right way. Yeah, let's keep progressing on this, on this other thing." But not, not the whole world is like that, you know. It, uh, locally, and that's a miscommunication like that. that I was like saying at the beginning of the show or halfway through the show. Miscommunication in there is the biggest deal on skydiving. So I'll kind of return to the original question and, and then finish with a, you, you bring up a, a legitimate question as well. Uh, true or false, five coach jumps with a quality coach is worth 100 jumps of learning by yourself just going out and doing fun jumps with your friends. Would you agree five quality coach jumps is worth 100 learning jumps by yourself or, or with friends without a coach? Yeah, it could be more Where than do you that. Sit? I would say it's definitely better to do five coach jumps than, than 100 solo free flies for sure. You're going to be flying yeah. better. That's, yeah, you're gonna, that's you're, a fact. You're going to start building better either, fundamentals either for sure. Either with bad habits or good habits, you're going to be flying better. Okay, But so that doesn't mean you're a better skydiver. So the thing that you say that really hits home is quality coach, man. You've, you've hit on that so many times. So I go up to my homies and I'm like, yo, bro, I want a good quality coach. And my friends are going to tell me a lot of times this guy's a good coach because this guy appeases me. People commonly refer to people who just say yes as good coaches. But I, I want to be able to find a truly good quality coach, not somebody who's just going to make me happy, but somebody who's going to make me great at what I do. How do I know I have a good quality coach? How do I know my coach is, is somebody that I should be learning from? 
know his background, know what he's doing on the sport, what he's what he has done on the sport. Uh, and then like a good quality coach is like people who is been in the in the sport, in, involved in the sport for a long time, doing things, trying to compete maybe, trying to get the ratings better, trying to keep progressing on the ratings, for example. If if I was gonna look for a coach mm-hmm. at Spaceland and I was a young jumper, I would ask someone like Rob or someone like Tex or someone like you. Someone with a, that I know has thousands of jumps, a lot of experience, a lot of time at the drop zone, and so so. Let's say that I, let's say someone offered to coach me, and I wasn't sure. I might say, "Hey DJ, uh, I'm wanting to learn this thing, and I got lined up with this person. What do you think about that?" And I think that someone with your level of experience is going to have a really easy time saying, "Oh yeah, that's a great person to learn from," or, "Hey, you know, you should probably start a conversation with somebody else because this person might not have the skill set to to help you learn what you're trying to learn right now." So. When I when I started being more familiar with ratings and hearing about a coach rating, that I had a total misconception about what it meant that someone had a coach rating, about what jumps that made them qualified to teach. Just because someone has a coach rating, just because someone has a D license, just because someone has any of that stuff, doesn't mean that they're the right person to, to be learning free flying from. But if you ask someone with a lot of experience, someone who uh, is well-respected at the drop zone, they can uh, probably guide you in the right direction or at least tell you if the person uh, you're working with is a likely a good fit or not. Something that we teach, uh, or I, I teach when it comes to coaches and mentors, or when it comes to coaching and mentoring, when you're working with a coach, if your coach doesn't tell you, without you asking, if your coaches can't tell you why and how this applies, not just how to do it, not just what to do, if they can't without instinct say, hey, we're going to learn this because it applies in this arena, because it works this way, if they can't explain the hows and whys we do things, chances are they're not great coaches. If they can just tell you what to do, they've gotten good at the sport, but true mastery understands the how and whys it applies. Not a guarantee they're a good coach, but if your coach doesn't immediately, or, or excuse me, not immediately, but naturally tell you how and why, if you don't have to fish them, if you, if you don't have to fish them out of them, chances are it's a good sign. It's a good coach. Um, we're going to kind of kind of start pushing this, wrapping this up. But Mumphy, while we're doing that, any advice you have to jumpers out there, new or experienced to, to their future in the sport? Well, there's a lot of people trying to fly better. Uh, that's the biggest thing I'll say. Everybody wants to fly better. Instead of better, instead of being better skydivers, skydiver involves a lot of disciplines. Mm-hmm. We know them pretty much: free flying, belly flying, accuracy sports, wingsuit, wingsuits, canopy piloting, um, canopy crew. And there's a lot of skydiving things that you need to learn to be a better, good experienced skydiver so you need to talk to these people you need to go out and out there and uh, like talk to the people who's doing skydiving who's doing different things on skydiving and not just flying i believe the community today is kind of like way too focused on flying only when flying is (laughs) one of the most fun parts of skydiving as well yes sir until you get to soup something (laughs) (laughs) to fly your parachute like Nicholas Lod. God, I love parachutes, man. That completes it, completes completes it out. The parachute part. The skydiving. So oh, man, that get wing. to know canopy pilots if you wanna get better of your canopy skills. Talk to canopy pilots. Get coached by canopy pilots. People who who has been on canopy piloting for a long time. 
And that's the thing about like different disciplines I'm saying about the sport. Like if you want to be a good skydiver, talk to everybody, talk to the wingsuiters, talk to the, m- well, there's a lot of other people involved, manifest, talk to the loaders, the pilots. There's so much people involved in skydiving than just free flyers. A, a really great question to ask all those people, all those staff members is what frustrates you most about your job? And they're going to say, oh, well, when shithead people do this, it's a really, uh, <laughs> a lot of people do the things that drive uh, people who work in skydiving crazy. And it's mostly a lack of awareness that you're doing this thing and that it has an effect on someone. So it's a great thing to, when you're, when you're making uh, contact with all these people, hey, what, what can I do to make your life easier? As a skydiver, what can I do to make this part of the drop zone run better? And you'll get some, uh, some, some great answers. And it's always like going on the same page with safetyness. Uh, making your job easier is making your job e- uh, safer, mm-hmm. right? The safer it is, the easier it's going to be. And the more you will learn. Exactly. So that's what I would like recommend to everybody, like to go out there and whenever you're at the drop zone, talk to everybody, pilots, packers, everybody who is involved in skydiving and, and has to do with skydiving. They're gonna, they're gonna have something for you that you are not gonna know about how to do something on the sport itself. It's not about just flying. Flying, if you wanna get better at flying, you can go to the tunnel for sure. Yeah. You're gonna get better at flying, definitely. But that, that is not teaching you skydiving. Man, it, it's such a repetitive theme for all our guests. The things that you were saying, man. I hope you guys and gals take these things to heart. Uh, next time you're on the show, you travel through town a lot, and we're going to have you back. I want a goal next I time. I would love to be back to talk about anals. What, anals? <laughs> Dude, what I want to... Angles, I want to do Anals. Same. I want to talk about angles, but what I want to hear next time is I want to hear some of your fun stories. Your fun skydiving stories, your fun travel stories. We had some really fucking cool, like, serious talks here and some fun talks nonetheless, but I want to hear some of the fun shenanigans you've been on next time. Can we make that deal? Let's make it happen. We'll make that happen. Uh, Till then, is there anything else you want to throw out to your friends and family watching this video or listening to this podcast right now? Saying thank you to everybody who has been involved in my life and and being involved in skydiving too. Skydiving is such a good community, huh? Dude, I get to know people like need lot regret. Yeah, that's regret for sure. You picked the right word. La familia. Yes, but what what can I do now? I know him already. No, man. It's love only going to get more intimate than this. Mr. P, any last things you want to share on no, our closing? No, I love me some Monfi. That's it. Dude. How he did it. How he did it, man. Imagine. I get to, I get <laughs> did I tell you this? You need to write a book called the, the Robert Hernandez success story. How he did it. How he did it. Because that makes sense. That's how you make grammatical English sense of those words. How he did it. So his success story, this is how he did it. It's and, great. And the rest of us will appreciate and enjoy it. Yep. Yes. No, I will. That's your, like that's your autobiography. Well, it looks like you've got that queued up then. Uh, for everybody else, man, check out the film festival coming up October 14th. If you don't know about it, hit up uh, gravitylabradio.com for our podcast. Check out our Facebook page, Gravity Lab. You can catch Monthy on Instagram. Roberto Latore. You can catch him on Roberto Volatore. That's with a no. That's with a V. Volatore. Volatore. Did it sound right, dude? We will share those links on Facebook. We'll share them on. Thank you guys for inviting me here today. We talk a lot of shit. 
Thank you for being here. Till then, Blue Skies. That is. I wasn't the smartest. R- I never. Uh, <laughs> you did great. Never, That's uh, Roberto Mumpy. That is Mr. P. <laughs> I Nicholas love you guys. Uh, Thank you for following us on the um, live. Live. You said uh, live on life? the live feed. And this is DJ live Marvin. Feed. Blue Skies. We are out of here, yo.